0: Sports Talk Daily
1: with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's
2: going on, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to yet another week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Monday finishing up the month of May and heading into June. We have a lot to get to on today's program. Uh, the unfortunate end of the season for the Winnipeg Ice, the uh Team lost in game number five. Wasn't able to get the series back to the ice cave. But what a season it was. And what a bright future that the Winnipeg Ice have. Brian Munns is going to pop on the program a little bit later on. And we'll also get the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A busy weekend for the Blue and Gold. Mm-hmm. Exhibition game on Friday night. Yesterday was a practice and fan fest. And the ring dinner with all the excited members of the back-to-back champs getting another piece of jewelry for the mantle or for the hand, um, and of course tomorrow the team playing their second preseason game without Zach Caleros again in Regina against the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com will pop on the program. We'll let just get his thoughts on Friday's action, what to look for tomorrow, and uh, more from a very exciting weekend for the defending Grey Cup champions as we get ready for the 10th of June in that first game of the regular season and the beginning of the quest to make it a three-peat. And of course, tonight, we've got Game 7 action in the National Hockey League, and this is the game of most important to Winnipeg Jet fans because the New York Rangers can win tonight's game. They will be given the Winnipeg Jets a first-round pick this summer instead of a second-rounder. So I have a feeling that the Jets Nation will be locked in on Game 7 tonight between the Canes and the Rangers. And Dan Rosen covering the blue shirts for NHL.com will join us a little later on. And of course, if any of you had seen my Twitter feed over the weekend, I'm not sure I have ever been as entertained by a sports story as the Tommy Fam Jock Peterson slap incident over a year-old fantasy football dispute. But rest assured, we will be getting into that later on towards the end of the program as well. Hey, uh, big thanks to all of our sponsors that make this happen every day, including at Downs. Darren Dunn will be on the program tomorrow because tomorrow is officially opening day for live racing at Assiniboia Downs. Also our friends at Aikens Lake, Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bed Canada. Oh, and by the way, stick around with us for those of you with us on YouTube. and Welcome to everyone that's joining us as well as the podcast listeners. We will fire up the wheel of winners a little bit later on in the program after Dan Rosen joins us for a pair of tickets to the whiskey vest event at the manitoba sports hall of fame on wednesday night so stay with us uh let's get to it and welcome michael remus in and get this party started remo yes. how was your weekend
3: how was the weekend great uh what did i do yesterday got outside went to the park uh yesterday i mean the morning sucked the weather does it ever stop raining here anymore i know last year was dry and like, yeah, let's get some water this summer. I think a little overcompensation. But, um, yeah, good sports weekend. You know, we had that Friday uh, Avs-Blues game I was tuned in for. And then we had um, the Bombers preseason as well. And double IHF. Nice afternoon hockey as well as the game six Saturday. Yesterday was a night off. Uh, no hockey. It was great. Got to catch up on some shows.
2: Game seven of the NBA, of course, that was, um, and we'll get to that a little later on. I mean, that was insane. I don't know if anyone was watching the final couple minutes. I mean, it was the Celtics, they had it, and then Miami goes on an 11-0 run uh, and gets the ball back down two in the final minute, and Jimmy Butler inexplicably decides to just, you know, hoist up a three over Al Horford as, as opposed to taking it to the net. Didn't go in, they got the ball back, scored, and that was it. Very, very puzzling end to a pretty wild game. But we do have an NBA final set between the Warriors and the Celtics. That's going to be beginning on Thursday. And I think Julian Edlow from DraftKings will join us in a couple days and we'll we'll tee that one up as well. Uh, but yes, lots to get to from the from the uh from the weekend. And you know, we'll get to the National Hockey League story in a bit because as we mentioned, you know, the big <laughs> the big task at hand is seeing what happens with the rangers and the carolina hurricanes tonight tomorrow will be dropping the puck mcdavid mckinnon this uh, incredibly anticipated series between the oilers and the avalanche getting going but remo yesterday was the end of the world hockey championships and i know last week we were always paying attention to see how canada was doing throughout the round robin but it was that thrilling comeback win over the Swedes in the quarterfinal that I think really got people paying attention to, uh, to the Canadian squad. Um, they got their spot in the semi with the win over the Czechs. And then yesterday, in what was absolutely a thriller for many reasons got it to overtime in similar fashion. I mean, down 3-1 late in the game, scoring two goals to come back. Shout out Manitoba Zach Whitecloud for a big goal to get the team back in it. Um, but it wasn't to be Given up a power play goal in overtime in a game that, you know, unfortunately, I'm not that guy that, you know, spends a lot of time bitching about referees. Uh, but I did say that the call to give Sweet and the, the Finns the five-on-three um, down one nothing in the third period was WWE level officiating when you consider that the Finnish player got himself in the head with his own stick. Um, you know, they made the most of it. Canada battled back, and unfortunately, Canada falls short, gets the silver medal. But what a performance by Winnipeg Jets center Pierre-Luc Dubois was named to the first, uh, first team all-tournament team for his performance wearing number 80 for Canada. Yeah, Dubois was excellent Huss during the
3: during the tournament scoring goals him and Adam Lowry. Uh Dubois on for some key goals. Uh, one player who really impressed me and when they were coming back was Matt Barzell. His poise with the puck behind the net was incredible and leading Canada on a couple of comebacks. So that was that was well done. Um as far as the officiating, you know, this is an issue with replay. You know, we have these replays where you're watching it like 20 times, you're bringing out the magnifying glass, trying to figure out if it was a kicking motion or the puck, you know, or some bullshit offside that had no effect on the play. When it's a replay where you, know, you have, take one look and you can see that it was the guy's own high stick, like they don't do anything. And I think we got to use replay for the obvious things, where you see it once and you're like, oh yeah, we messed up. Not these replays where you could watch it 20 times and you still have no idea. Um, so disappointing way, you know, to get on a five on three and also, um, the penalty in overtime, it looked like on the replay that he got hooked and then did like a a yard sale style dive, uh, on the overtime hook. And one thing about that overtime, I will say that was, while it was very intense three on three overtime, and I like that they're going to 20 minutes. We don't have to deal with a shootout. That was one of the most boring, although it was intense in the suspenseful, boring overtimes where they're just looping around in their own end.
2: Three on three overtime sucks. You know when yeah. when it's not like when they're when you have to have concern for your own end. Yes, I mean it's a disaster. Like, look, like, listen, the way that it goes in the National Hockey League right now is that both teams have a point, and you're essentially playing for an extra one. I mean, there's no, you're not losing anything. I should say you're. I guess you're losing one point if you don't get it. But I mean, there's an element of accomplishment already if you want to say you've got one of a possible two points in the bank and you know you're going all out for the second one and that's why you know you have the crazy end to end the chances that coaches would never be okay with happening on a normal normal time I I don't understand why they went away from like four on four I can totally live with I think there's a little bit more space and you'll have a little bit more hell if you know you're depend you're deciding a world championship gold medal Why don't we go at least 20 minutes at five on five? Um, Like, as I said, and I know there's a lot of people that hate the shootout. And listen, I actually love the shootout in the regular season. As I said, as someone that buys a ticket, I would rather watch a shootout, penalty shots of the best players in the world, and go home and say, oh, we just saw a tie. But I'm certainly with everyone that says that that's no way to determine a playoff series, a world championship. So if you can give the players more chances to, you know, determine, the winner outside of a shootout I'm for sure for it um but as I said I don't think that this move to three on three for a full 20 minutes is a a great development if anything go five on five four on four then three on three um but listen I mean like many of you Canada sort of felt like they got jobbed a little bit. And sometimes that happens when you're playing on the road, when you're at the host company uh, country in a game like that, there is some psychology involved and maybe the, the Finnish crowd deserves some credit. Uh, but the bottom line was there was the penalty that got them back in. That was highly, well, highly controversial. It was quite obvious that Finnish player got himself in the head and it should have been a penalty. And that really did turn the game around. And the fact that Canada was quite, um, you know, quite in control, not to mention Chris Drieger, was injured on the play and had to remove. And the third stringer for Canada ended up going into the net in the third period and in an overtime. So uh, we had a lot, but here's Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, certainly happy with the way he personally played and the tournament that his team had, uh but very disappointed at the circumstances surrounding yesterday's loss.
1: Pierre, roller coaster ride of a game. How would you describe your emotions right now?
4: It sucks, I mean, it sucks to lose an overtime of a game on a penalty, that's, it sucks. I mean, you work so hard and for it to be decided like that, it sucks, I mean, you know when you come to these tournaments, it's different rules, but at some point, it's frustrating. You don't even know the rulebook anymore. They played a good game, we played a good game, I mean, they won, they're the best team of the tournament. It sucks. I mean, to put that much effort and then for, for that to happen in overtime of a gold medal game,
2: yeah. Yes, yeah, a disappointed Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, for the, the penalty to Shabbat in OT Ream, I, I'm not sure where you're at on this. I mean, he did sort of get his stick in a dangerous position. And I think you could make an argument that, yes, he probably did something worthy of a two-minute minor. But at the same time, uh, I have to say that, I mean, the, the player, when he was going down, basically tackled him. I mean, if anything, especially considering it was in overtime, to me, that was coincidental. Uh,
3: yeah, I thought, you know, once he fell, um, he dropped his arms, and um, so it was a weird play. Sorry, I'm, I'm all messed up. My, my audio settings is weird, so my apologies for the muting there, but we'll move on.
2: Yeah, um, anyways, overall, uh, I mean, a hell of a tournament for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a really great tournament for Adam Lowry. Uh, We spent a lot of time last week talking about Adam Lowry, and I think he opened some eyes. And as I said, it was just great that he had that opportunity to play uh, because, as we've been mentioning throughout this tournament, it's nice to see the Winnipeg Jet players getting to participate and doing well. uh, But I think we all hope that they're busy at this time of next year and uh, involved in Stanley Cup playoff action as opposed to the world championship and of course stanley cup playoff action we've got it tonight remo game seven between the rangers and the hurricanes uh it, it is crazy the canes now seven and zero on home ice and zero and six on the road um i'm pretty optimistic with the rangers going in tonight i mean you know game seven anything can happen and uh Tell you what, I, I'm i always a guy that will probably lay my nickel on the team with the better goalie, and I think we know who that is in this series. You know, I
3: totally agree. I've been picking, you know, the home team all series, but, I mean, what's going on with Carolina's goalie situation? I know we're going to have Dan Rosen on later, but I agree. Playoffs, a lot of it, who has the better goalie, which is why I'm pretty torn in this Edmonton-Colorado uh, C- series, because I don't know... I don't know who the better goalie is. Mike, you know, Mike, we've been dumping on Mike Smith, but he's actually played well uh, when needed. So in this series, I mean, Shosturkin, Vesna Kennedy, You'd like to, you know, you see what Vasilevsky does for Tampa. Maybe Shosturkin can do that for the Rangers, and they're a pretty solid team. You now Carolina, they haven't lost at home, so that they got that going. But I think the goaltending is just so questionable that I, if you were, we're going to bet, yeah, take the underdog, and also you know the Jets. This is like the Stanley Cup for the Jets. You know, we're going to be celebrating. You think they're watching this is it? the game. I think they're watching it in the True North office. Like, Chevy, do we have a, a camera on Chevy? Like, is Sportsnet <laughs> going to go in there?
2: <laughs> Should be in the press box tonight at the game. Yeah,
3: <laughs> have the camera on the Jets' management. Jet cam. I, I, I think we need that. I think we have some extra drama here for Jets fans. Would Chevy, would
2: Chevy be fist-pumping in the— for sure? Uh, and then this, like big goal for the Rangers, big high fives throughout it. 100%. So, yeah. I'm only half joking. I mean, there is a lot on the line. It sure would be nice to be talking about two first-round picks for the Winnipeg Jets as opposed to two second-rounders. Um, I guess they got the one that's the the St. Louis Blues, which I believe is pegged in at 55th um, in the second round. But, hey, to move up into the bottom of the second round, along with the Jets' 14th rounder or 14th overall selection – Um, certainly would be a good thing. So if you haven't been paying attention to this series, tonight might be a good reason to do it. Not only do you get some game seven action, but there is something on the line for the Winnipeg Jets. Remo, we are going to talk ice with Brian Munns, tough ending to the season for a team that had such a great run, but a real bright future for that club. Should also give a big shout out to the Dauphin Kings, who uh, lost a heartbreaker 2-0 Two nothing to Pickering in the semifinal, of the Centennial Cup, and then Pickering hung in there for a while against the high-powered Brooks Bandits, but the uh, the dam broke at the end in the third period. Pickering was up one nothing, and I believe the shots at one point were thirty six to four for Brooks. Um, as I said, the dam broke, and when it broke, uh, the water started flowing through. Brooks ends up winning. What a program that they have! Uh, but we can't really get into talking ice and bombers without our daily dose of trots watch. Um, I'm sure many of you saw on Hockey Night in Canada on the weekend, Elliot uh, Friedman discussing that, um, you know, there's will be the process continues for Barry trots. Uh, and Remo, why don't we get a couple of these clips ready? And this is from the uh, 32 thoughts podcast of Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. The first one um, was just talking about uh, Barry Trotz's situation right now and if he is sort of controlling the coaching market right now in the NHL.
1: Guys tell me that it's quiet until kind of Trotz makes his call here.
2: Is he controlling the market? Like I said, I mean, i just be like, is, is Barry Trotz controlling the coaching market right now?
1: I don't know if I would say controlling the coaches market because, you know, I did get a call someone for, uh, on Sunday from someone who said to me, there are some teams that, you know, may not want to wait that long. And like, I don't know what the timeline is here. And, and I think Trotz has said exactly what, um, you know, I, I kind of said there that he's not rushing to make a decision. Like if he decides, you know, for example, if somebody does something this week that makes him say, yes, you know, this is the best for me and my family, then let's go, that that could happen. But nobody's necessarily expecting that to happen. You know, I, I asked someone, you know, who I think would have a good idea, how long is this going to take? And they said, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that yet because they're not sure that everybody who wants to be part of this has weighed in. And we're still waiting for clarity in Florida, right?
2: So there's Elliot Friedman on that. And listen, as much as some people in this market and elsewhere have maybe been trigger happy on saying that decisions have been made, it's pretty clear, Reem, that um, you know he is continuing through the process meeting with the teams that are interested in meeting with him. Certainly the Jets were at the front of that line meeting in Nashville a few weeks ago and uh, uh, certainly according to Elliot from uh, on the weekend, certainly very much in the mix, but there could be some other players as Elliot mentioned, including the Florida Panthers who were just knocked out by the Tampa Bay Lightning. so I don't imagine we'll have any clarity at any point soon. That being said, the interest uh, certainly here and around the league and where Barry Trotz goes next is uh, is getting ranked up. Now, uh, there's one other clip that we've got for you, and we certainly know the Winnipeg Jets are in the mix. Um, Elliot was asked and discussed the teams right now that are interested in the services of Barry Trotz.
1: Trotz is, you know, we mentioned all the teams who we believe are involved. Winnipeg, Philadelphia, Vegas, Detroit, and Dallas. Dallas. And someone said to me, like some of these meetings have been full on conversations and some of them, at least one, and I'm not 100% sure which one it was. I think it's possible Vegas, but I don't know, was a phone call or a Zoom call or whatever. So there still could be more to it. I do think Winnipeg is very serious, but I don't think they're the only ones. And it's just difficult to get a handle on the timeline. And I wouldn't want to say, Jeff, that he controls the market. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say that I think there are some teams who are prepared to wait to get a better handle on what he's thinking. Okay. The only other thing I want to mention about Winnipeg is there's seems to be some talk that Scott Arneal, who was in Washington the last few years, could end up with the Jets in some role on the bench, even if he's not the head coach. So that's something to watch out for, too, to see if that comes to fruition.
2: All right. So there's a little bit more from Elliot and 32 Thoughts today discussing Barry Trotz, the coaching market right now in the National Hockey League, and the name Scott Arneal. And listen, I know there's a lot of people that kind of like poo-pooed Scott O'Neill's name and his resume. He is a guy that, um, you know, certainly had a lot of success here with the Manitoba Moose, was a great player for the Winnipeg Jets and a captain for the Moose before, you know, was not that successful in his first time out as a head coach in the National Hockey League. But I think working with some pretty good NHL coaches, in this case with Peter Laviolette, he's a guy that certainly should be given consideration and, I mean, best case scenario, you're putting together a a coaching staff, Remo, that includes Barry Trotz, uh, but could also, and it's interesting to have a guy like Arneel's uh, name mentioned, um, because I think it's quite clear that Barry Trotz has also talked about a path to management at some point. So, you know, potentially going on with the group that, you know, you could have together right now in the future but also potentially have a successor to Barry Trotz I think makes a lot of sense and I mean there's a lot of reasons why Scott O'Neill, I'm sure would get consideration considering what they know and what he's done in this city before yeah it's interesting to
3: hear that he's going to be taking his time I do wonder if at a certain point our team's gonna be like you know what we can't wait anymore we want to have our coach in place and one other thing that's been interesting to me about the search is you keep hearing names as assistants Uh, Rick bonus was mentioned before. And I, I find it just interesting that you'd be hearing assistance before, you know, who the head coach is. Normally you'd think that the head coach would want to have his own assistance in place and his own working relationship. So I think that's something we'll have to see as we go on, but this is kind of, you know, similar stuff to what we heard from Ken on Friday. It's going to take time. Um, you know, we, again, names being floated around. Uh, Elliot did also mention, I, I clipped it out because he kind of went on a tangent, but Seattle, uh, kind of concerned with their lack of success last season. I mean, I don't know how much you can point to the coaching staff there. I mean, they, I thought they did a terrible job with the expansion draft, not trading trading for picks uh, or trading, you know, dra- no, drafting the lesser player of, you know, when teams had players available. Um so I mean, how would they have looked with uh, Tarasenko instead of yeah. Vince Dunn, or I mean, whoever? Max who did they? Like they drafted players from teams that you had never heard of, and it was <laughs> instead of just like trading. And then they what? They signed Grubauer after drafting two goalies, and Grubauer was terrible. So uh, I think they made a couple missteps. There was one other note from the weekend. Uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN was had a report on TV. And Sinbin Vegas tweeted this out, and she said, and I I can bring it up here, um, she said, A few people in the league have suggested to me that there could be a deal in place already with Barry Trotz in Vegas, just knowing the way Vegas does business, but we'll have to wait and see where Barry Trotz lands before the rest of the chips fall. So I don't know what that what that really means, but... I guess Vegas is interested. I don't specifically
2: think... to Vegas, not like a, just a deal in general. There could be a deal in Winnipeg on the table. Yeah, They, they got in there first. I mean,
3: I, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it sounds like there isn't a deal in place, but she, she put that out there and she's pretty credible. So I'm not sure what people think.
2: I'll agree on that. Well, you know what? Well uh, We've got lots of time to talk about this and it sounds like we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this because it doesn't sound like we're going to get any clarity, uh, in the immediate future, at least. And, uh, Heck, we got the time to talk about it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to talk about the amazing season of the Winnipeg Ice, which unfortunately ended without getting back here to the Ice Cave for Game 6, which would have been last night. Um, Just before we do that, big cheers and a shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge who are dealing with the water, the high water right now, but... Man, their guests are pulling some monsters out of the lake right now. There still is some limited limited availability for this season, uh, but what you might want to do is start thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime fly-in fishing trip. Just two hours, you'll be on the water from the city of Winnipeg um, for next season, whether it's a great corporate outing or maybe some family and friends that you haven't gotten together with for a long time. You could make it special after what we've been through. Find out more at akinslake.com. Hit them up on Twitter, Pitt Turan, our good friend at Aikens Lake. Uh, Wallace and Wallace, great to get that feedback on our YouTube channel of folks that have uh, used our friends at Wallace and Wallace's services since they came on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk. They're, of course, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Uh, They've got every kind of fence that you could possibly need, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, if you've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors, give them a call at 452-2700, one of their experts will arrange of time to come out and give you a free estimate and you can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down their showroom on lawson road off of caniston always thankful for the great support of our friends over at vita health fresh market who have great prices on winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements beauty products and groceries not to mention delicious lunch options at the grab-and-go deli like Vita Market salad, soups, sandwiches, and more, and some amazing healthy options for the barbecue, including lean bison steaks or chicken. And if you can't make it to the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart at seven at Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge for Vita Health Fresh Market and online at myvita.ca. C-A. And, uh, ooh, I know Reem was looking good last week at his wedding. Uh You know, there's lots of weddings coming up. It's getting a little bit busier. And of course, if you haven't already, don't wait any longer. Get on down to F Apparel. Talk to Andrew and the guys about getting into a custom suit for you. You can wear it to all sorts of events. Bottom line is every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And you probably haven't worn one very much in the last couple of years. Uh, but now with weddings back, bigger events, graduations and the like, you're going to need one. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street, online, FEPHapparel.com. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right. What a season it's been. It was you know, It was unfortunate we didn't get a chance to see these teams get back to it. Uh, but I, 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 a razor thin series, maybe not the last game, but um, what a year it's been for the Winnipeg Ice. Let's welcome in our good friend, Brian Munns, who's been with the club all season long. And Munzie was hoping we'd be talking about uh, getting to game seven right now. It wasn't to be, uh, but we knew something had to give between the two best teams in Canadian junior hockey for the most part you know, destined to meet early on in the playoffs. And uh, the younger Winnipeg ice team just wasn't able to overcome a real juggernaut from Edmonton.
0: Yeah. Terrific series. Hust. Uh, thanks for the time. As always first cut two of the first three games go to overtime. Edmonton's able to win. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're in a tough scenario going into games. Uh, what would it be? Four and five, I guess, last Wednesday and, uh, and Friday, both inside Rogers place with uh, the 2-3-2 format. You lose Matt Savoy in game two. You know, that was a big blow to the offense. You take Dylan Gunther, you take uh, Justin Sortif, you take numerous players out of Edmonton's lineup when you lose your best. Uh, I could have changed the series, but there's, you know, what they say, there's no crying over spilt milk. I guess at the end of the day, you've got to give the Oil Kings a lot of credit. They've been built. Uh, for this season, Kurt Hill did a tremendous job getting that team together. It was well-documented, the six players they had from Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championships. So at the end of the day, they won, and uh, Winnipeg put up a really good fight. But what a special season to be around, to see the club win 53 games and uh, win the league overall during the regular season. It was uh a really special group here that uh, they've been able to put together over the last four or five years.
2: Yeah. And and listen, it's pretty incredible considering how tight these teams were in the games that they were played that this one was over in five. And I think you mentioned to it, I mean, you know, an unfortunate play in overtime in game number one, after a thrilling comeback. Um, And and then to their credit, they came back with a real strong game. Mikey Milne with a hat trick in game in game number two to even it up. Uh, But you mentioned the name Matthew Savoy. and We'll be talking about him a lot heading into the NHL draft. To For me, sure. that play, very unfortunate play, but it was quite clear. He went in so hard, and anyone that was at the game saw him leave the bench, holding his shoulder hanging down there. It, it seemed unlikely that he'd be back in, and uh, you know, you mentioned, when you're going up against a team like, Edmund, or like Edmonton, I mean, it's all hands on deck to begin with, um, and that was an injury that really did impact the ice's ability to uh, score on a level that you know Edmonton was going to be bringing.
0: Yeah, and like it was just unfortunate the way the whole thing played out, uh, you know, Justin sort of was fantastic, uh, Florida Panther draft pick and, you know, Edmonton brought him in from the Vancouver giants for that reason to be a big piece of, of their team moving forward. And he was probably the best player in the series for, for both teams combined. When you look at, uh, you know, how dominant he was size wise and, and some of the big goals that he was able to score as well. So give him credit at, at the end of the day, but, uh, Again, as as much as it hurt and uh, to see the team after the game five loss on Friday and then the, uh, the long bus ride we had back on Saturday, it really gave everybody uh, a little bit of time to think about the year that was the series, obviously that wrapped it up and the excitement moving forward because they have uh, a lot of special players back on this team. And, and for me being around it for the first time, I think was almost a reset for the entire organization too, right? Because you look at year one that they come from Cranbrook, they go into COVID year two, they play in Regina last year in the subway hub. So this was the first real season of 68 games, the travel inside the Eastern conference. Uh, you know, Lots of the guys have talked about the fact it was different from last year where you played the 24 game shortened season and don't go anywhere compared to playing back-to-backs or even three and threes. When uh, geographically you're sitting where we are here in Winnipeg, where you've got uh, a long bus ride going all the way through. So it was a really good learning year for everybody involved. And uh, I guess they say what uh, what doesn't take you out makes you stronger. So I think there was uh, a lot of real good year learning for a lot of these young guys to kind of taste defeat and now uh, try to use their advantage moving forward next year.
2: Munzi, I remember talking to you and Kevin O last year um, about Zach Benson, who was a 15-year-old at the time. And, yeah. you know, he was turning some heads in the bubble in the limited amount of time that the teams were playing. And, you know, he probably wouldn't have even been in that situation if it wasn't because of the pandemic. This year as a 16-year-old, he, needless to say, he turned heads around the Western Hockey League. And we had Craig Button on the program last week. And I was asking him specifically about Zach yeah. and, you know, where he might project to be a draft pick. I and mean, he goes... He'd be a top five pick if he was in this year's draft right now. I mean, how much fun did you have watching this young man play? And how far did he come along um, from, you know, a 15 year old dynamo to now a player that's just had his 17th birthday and, you know, was the leading scorer for one of the best teams in the league in the playoffs?
0: And you're right. He's not eligible for Montreal this year. <laughs> you know, it is next year in the draft. So, you know what? He's a special player and he's a special kid both on and off the ice. Uh, he's a guy that, loves to be at the rink. Like if every morning skate, he more or less had to be told to get off the ice and be on the bus in time to go back to the hotel for uh, for the pregame meal. Like he, he's a rink rat. He just loves it. So to have that kind of skill inside uh, the mindset of of wanting to be around uh, the rink, you know, like he was, uh, you know, this, this kid's the real deal. And then you look at all the other players that surround him and kind of show him what it takes to play and live the junior hockey schedule. And I think of the three 20-year-olds, like uh, the 21-year-olds now that have moved on, Jake and Smallwood, Cole Muir up front, and Nolan Orsik. Like those guys went through the tough times for the organization and then celebrated the fun. You know, Zach was a roommate with Connor McLennan, another older player inside the room. So he had a lot of good people trying to lead him in the right direction and show him what it's like to to manage the schedule but you're right uh once we get through this year and and into next year it's going to be a very busy season uh watching what he does because all 32 teams are going to be clamoring they'd love to get zach benson on their roster for sure
2: you know and speaking of the draft it's the uh, the draft combine right now and of course uh, you know Connor Geeky and, uh, and Matt Savoy uh, were uh, fifth and fourth respectively in North American scouting. Uh, they've been somewhat busy. First of all, maybe take us behind the scenes. I mean, what, what stands out about the draft year for two top young prospects like that? And now that their season is over, what's in the future for their next sort of six to eight weeks before they hear their names called in Montreal?
0: Well, they've got a lot of meetings. Uh, I know that. Uh, you know, Matt left. We got back on Saturday, so he flew out uh, he went to the airport on Saturday night and then uh, Connor was to leave yesterday afternoon and uh, both guys are spending the week and literally um, I know I asked Connor at one point kind of what his calendar looked like and and their agents and all that kind of stuff look after it so it's got nothing to do with us but uh, I think Connor said he had 20 and I was texting with Savoy real quick and he thought he was up to 24 or 25 And both of those guys with how long they played and obviously with Matthew's injury, it doesn't look like they'll go through any of the on ice testing. So literally it's they're getting wined and dined for uh, for a week of different meetings and and kind of grilled over all the uh, the questions. And, you know, the scouts know what it's all about. But for the 32 teams now, it's for their management to understand and and kind of find out what these kids are all like and, uh, and get to see exactly what, uh, what they could bring to their organization. So I told both of them uh, and and we've talked about it multiple times during the year, just to have fun with this entire season. Like they're talking on the ice for Savoy to put up 90 points for geeky to put up 70. They did what they needed to do. Right. And they played on the best team arguably in Canada throughout the regular season. So everybody knew what they were as hockey players, now they can just go and show who they are of people for, for Matthew and Connor and, uh, and then find out coming up in early July, which of those lucky franchises will be the one to select them.
2: Well, and I have to say, I mean, having spoken with both of those young men this year, I mean, both really, really impressive guys to talk yeah. to. I mean, uh, you know, if, if their visits with us is anything like what they'll put forth in front of NHL teams, uh, I think that these next couple days will only help their draft stock because i um, you know, off the ice, they certainly seem like the sort of players and, and young men that you'd want to have in your organization going forward.
0: Well, your interviews probably set them up, right? Like they know exactly what, uh, Perfect. what's in their way. <laughs> We're
2: available. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get them ready. Whoever you want. Right. You get them on. Yeah, that's right. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the 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 players that, you know, are finished, you know, three of them, you know, just due to age. Yeah. One of the things that's been so excited about exciting about this ice team is the fact that You know, even though we were talking about them being at the top of the Canadian Hockey League and we spoke with the buttons and whatnot, many people thought that this was a little bit ahead of schedule. I mean, the future for next season still looks incredibly enticing. Now, hey, guys could make NHL rosters. They could be elsewhere. There's a lot of things to go into it. But just starting with a guy like Benson as a cornerstone piece, hoping to get one or both of Kiki and Savoy back, I mean... I would be shocked if we weren't talking about the ice at this very same time next year, Brian, both once again, being a WHL contender.
0: Yeah. And throwing Carson Lambos on the back end, obviously a first rounder in Minnesota. Uh, you know, they've got some tough decisions to make on their 20 year olds from next year with the 19 year old, uh, you know, the veteran players that were here this year. But I think it all goes back to more or less now a year and a half or two years ago from kind of what Peyton Krebs was able to do. And, Obviously, I wasn't around the team then, but uh, just to hear from the players inside the room, and James Patrick and Josh Green, and you know Matt Cockle and his coaching staff as to kind of the the bar and and the way things are supposed to be done. From what Peyton did to what Cole and Jake and um, and Nolan were able to kind of carry over all the way through it. Uh, you know, it set the bar for this team moving forward here. And, and they've got the right mindset. They understand what it takes to kind of go through the rigors of a schedule to get them ready for the next level. And uh, yeah, the future's bright. It's hard to believe that this week, the calendar turns to June already, and they'll have June, July, and then mid-August players will start kind of coming back for training camps. So it'll be a short summer, but it's going to be very exciting and intriguing just based on what was built this year. And from what we saw inside the ice cave at Wayne Fleming arena in the back half of the year, and then through the playoffs, whether it was round one against PA or the second round against Moose jar, those first two games, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere and the support was amazing. So, uh, it's, it's set the table for a lot of excitement for Western Hockey League fans here moving forward, for sure.
2: No doubt about that. And I certainly, uh, you know, saw what the Ice have been doing, uh, you know, already getting ready to fill that place for uh, for next year. And I yeah. think, you know, this playoff run, there's a lot of people that maybe had been busy or hadn't gotten a chance to get a third in the regular season that saw just how good of a team this is and how great the action is. And, of course, the uh, folks at the Ice would love to count you in for some seats for next season. You can get all the information over there at the Winnipeg Ice. Website. Hey, Brian, this is sort of a non hockey question, but I was wondering about this. I mean, hockey is such a big part of these young men's life, but many yep. of them are still high school age. I mean, do they come back here? Are they back or they finish school right now? I mean, what happens now, you know, with a few weeks left of the normal school calendar or have they sort of taken care of that? I imagine it's different from player to player, but uh,
0: w- w- what do they do now? Yeah, everybody's going back to their respective homes. Obviously, there's uh, a few players that are here in Winnipeg and they'll continue on with the uh, no, there was a little bit of online there was uh some in school i really to be honest with you uh didn't keep a, a really close track on that that was uh josh green's department obviously he was the assistant coach slash school teacher slash uh make sure you get everything done guy and then uh, you know they've got some great resources that uh that help out their education consultant and uh, um you know what they the way that uh these young guys have to manage their lives because you're right they're they're busy with school the the young kids are are looking to graduate or they're in grade 11, uh, whatever it may be. So uh, for the majority of them, though, they were leaving town last night or early this morning, and then they'll get back to their respective schools for those that uh, were in school, and and they'll finish it off uh, with their friends back at home.
2: Munzee, this is going to be tough, but if you had to pick an MVP, just from your perspective of this club, I mean, there'd be a lot of guys that I think would get consideration. Who is that? And, and was there Ooh. also, is there a player that was more like an unsung hero or maybe found money, Uh, a guy that far exceeded what your expectations were, maybe uh, of what you thought at the beginning of the season?
0: Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I can pick one guy as the most valuable player. I I think that veteran core group was uh, the reason why they had success and why they will have success moving forward, whether they were on the ice or not. I, I will say the one surprise for me, was Daniel Hauser. Like, I knew how good this kid was supposed to be coming out of Regina, but when Gage Alexander went down, and to have him carry the mail through the second half of the season and play, I believe, all but one game that Dawson Cowan got a shutout in, by the way, when he blanked Calgary, uh, just to see him be able to manage his workload, have all the success that he did in those games, and then take the team on the playoff run that they had to start Uh, He was the one guy and and just for his size too, like he's not a, not a player that's uh, ranked right now by NHL central scouting. But when you look at the win loss and his career numbers, all the kid does is win. So that for me would probably be the one guy that I would say, wow, you know, I didn't have the expectation, but spending the last nine and a half months with this team every day, uh, whether it was game day or practice day or a travel day, or even on the off days um, he's, he was the one that I would say this. This kid was pretty cool to see from start to finish.
2: One other player that I wanted to ask you about because I got a chance to see him a couple times at the end of the regular season. And he played fifteen games in the playoffs. was Jonas Wu, and Jonas yeah. Wu wasn't even with the club for the majority of the season. I don't even think I'm just looking uh, November of 06, I mean, he's, he's still 15, fifteen years old. He's still fifteen years old. Yeah. I mean, was that um. Did he sort of play beyond what people had expected? I mean, you don't often see 15-year-olds come into any team, never mind a top team and play regular minutes in the most important time of the year.
0: Well, I think you would have to say yes because he was 15 years old and and once he kind of got in and understood what the league was all about, he was able to to play the game that allowed him to have success. And he was one of their six or seven defensemen that played all the way through the playoffs as well, so yeah, he did uh, did a terrific job, and obviously, being a local kid, uh, there were a lot of eyes on him. There was some pressure too. You know, it, it's not easy to play in this league against twenty and, and twenty one year old players that some kids probably had forty pounds on them and almost a foot in height. So uh, he should be very proud uh, of the year that he had, and he's going to be a big piece of this team moving forward. and uh, And he was a, a very pleasant player coming in that uh, grabbed the opportunity and. And took full advantage of it. He's he's good. He's speaking, really
2: good. Speaking of a big pieces of this club, we can't you know have this conversation about the season they had without talking about the coaching staff. Okay. Um, it was great to hear that it sounds like James Patrick certainly is focused on coming back with this club and running it back and hopefully having a better res- uh, a result. I mean, you're around the team closely. I mean, you watched every game this season. Uh, If you could tell us uh, your thoughts on the job that he did. And you mentioned Josh as well, getting Greener in. I mean, a guy with great experience, both as a player and coach onto the bench. I mean, uh, you know, the work overall that the coaching staff did in getting
0: the most out of a club that, um, you
2: know, had just such an amazing season.
0: I could probably go on for two hours uh, about staff. And, you know, I knew Greener from our time with the Moose. Um, You know, when I came to Winnipeg, I guess the year that I did the Edmonton Roadrunner games in the lockout, he played with the Moose and then he moved on. But, uh, you know, we played a lot of golf. We have a lot of mutual friends, obviously. So I knew him coming in. Um, I didn't know James Patrick. I had met him a few times doing jets games when he was in Dallas or Buffalo. And it was a kind of quick, Hey, after the morning skate and that kind of stuff, I'll put James Patrick in the top two or three coaches I've worked with in my life. Um, the respect that he has from everybody inside the organization, how he's able to grab a room. And it, it's kind of the Paul Maurice factor a little bit, with you know they've got that presence. When a coach goes into a room, you know, and I've seen guys, I've been doing this for close to 30 years, um, to see how when they walk in and how everybody's eyes are glued to them. And, and you know this, Husk, you've been around athletes for so many years and, and and coaches and management, you know, some people have it, some don't uh, Jeep does. And obviously with his track record from being a player to, to all his years of experience in coaching. And, you know, he's told me lots of stories they weren't very good the first couple of years when they were in Cranbrook, but to be able to watch this thing develop all the way through and, you know, Matt and Jake deserve so much credit with the players they brought in because they brought in the right people. But, uh, you know, and, and I'll be the first to admit this when I was, doing the jet stuff. I knew, I knew James was from Winnipeg, but again, didn't really know him, but to be around him for a year, he is a very, very special hockey person that uh, the city is very fortunate to have right now guiding this club. And, you know, you got to mention guys like Byron Spriggs and Larry Wu as well, that spend a lot of time behind the scenes as assistant coaches too, that, that don't get the limelight that your two top coaches do. Uh, They've, they've got a really good staff here. And I think it's evident from the team that they were able to put together on the ice and, and show the regular season that they had because playing in Winnipeg is not easy like you think about it the closest bus trips two hours to Brandon and then everything else after that is Regina and beyond so you know they they had to work a lot of things on the calendar here so uh, it was it was neat to see it was, it was neat to be able to be behind the scenes and uh, and just kind of watch how this thing works and I'm excited about the future for sure
2: Speaking of the future, what is your future over the next couple of months other than joining Ken Weave on the Manitoba golf <laughs> tour as much as possible?
4: <laughs>
0: uh, yes, sold. <laughs> You're looking forward yeah, to no, that. No, yeah, really, like this week is a lot of wrap up. Obviously, uh, players had their exit interviews yesterday and we'll have some uh, internal meetings with the organization here as the week goes on. But, uh, you know, you referenced it. It's, it's about getting people excited about the organization moving forward and, you know, obviously it's my second year back with golf, Manitoba as well. It's uh, it's a perfect fit between hockey and golf for me. And, you know, I love both, uh, both things and got the, uh, the match play championship for St. Fatal dental center coming up this weekend at Quarry Oaks. So I'll be uh, south of the city from Thursday to Sunday. And then, and then you're right. I'm going to go and, uh, Take as much money off of Weber as I can this summer. <laughs> hey,
2: just quickly. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't entirely sure if you were continuing the role with Golf Manitoba in the off season, yeah, but it's perfect. And I mean, it fits so well. And, you know, I was just over at Breezy on the weekend talking to Corey, and they are so excited about the, uh, um, the big, what is it? It's the women's mid-am for, uh, for Canada that's coming here later on this year.
0: Yeah. The provincial women. And then, uh, you know, the full calendar of events, uh, gets underway this weekend so it's going to be a busy summer it's an exciting summer last year like jared ladderbrook and i kind of went into this a little bit blind uh last year i reached out to him when the whole thing started and you know he was kind enough to say yes because i was kind of looking for what i was going to do on that uh that next venture and i love it you know you know, you and I love the game of golf. So uh, it gets us out on the course. And, and really, it was a window that that wasn't really open before, because everybody knows amateur sport is so big. But with the changing landscape in the way the media business is now, uh, there's a big void there where you can't get out and you can tell the stories. So as much as there is about talking about, uh, you know, the provincial events, whether it's the men, the women, the juniors, the seniors, uh, the Interclub events, there's there's so many different golf stories about all the the different uh, courses that are across the province and into northwestern Ontario that, uh, you know, it was neat for me to be able to go out and do so. Once this weather gets uh, on our favor <laughs> here, it's uh, time to get outside. Once the weather. Yeah. I'm not holding
2: my breath at this point, Brian. I mean, uh, Thursday, I, I, Thursday, I
0: just, just in time for the
2: match play, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Other nature
0: knows what's going on.
2: Hey, listen, thanks for everything this year and congratulations to the ice. We appreciate James's time as well as all the players that have joined us. And um, as I said, it's been a real eye opener for, I think a lot of people that hadn't gone out and seen what this team was capable of and not uh, Tell you what, next season's going to be real exciting and it'll be here before we know it. Munzee, we'll definitely have you on during the summer to uh, see what's going on in the golf scene as well. But uh, hit him straight and uh, appreciate the time as always.
0: All right, Huss, anytime. Appreciate your support as well. Uh, I know the players were always excited when uh, they had a chance. All the guys watch you all the time. And uh, it's always fun, so we'll look forward to it. And uh We'll catch up soon for sure.
2: Good stuff. All the best. There's Brian Munns. What a season for the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Coming just up short in a real tight series against the Edmonton Oil Kings, Uh, but losing game number five and really the one game that was not close. I mean, they were down big early and had a tough time getting back into it, but uh, big things ahead for the ice who fingers crossed might be returning most of the core of this team that certainly has championship aspirations. All right. Hey, Tate's gonna join us in a minute. Just mentioned uh Munzee will be working with Golf Manitoba all year. It's a lot of exciting things happening on the provincial golf scene, as well as a big event coming in August to Breezy Bend on the national scene. Breezy Bend, great sponsors of ours as well. If you're thinking about a home for your family for your golfing future, give Corey Johnson a call over at Breezy Bend. Talk to him about getting on that waiting list and hopefully being part of the Breezy scene for 2023. Again, you can find out all the information at Breezy Bend. C-A. Uh, the Culligan gang continues to hydrate our province. I know my folks just picked up more jugs for the summer for the cottage, so they don't need to worry about anything now that uh, um, you know, they'll be getting out there for most of their time. Of course, Culligan has it all for you, whether it is for your home, for the cottage, or your business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial Water products and solutions. They're at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 694 or find out more online at drinkculligan.com. Got a couple of comments from listeners over the course of the weekend that had popped in to see Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery, and everyone always raves about the incredible service that they're getting. Well, it's more than just great service. You're also going to save a lot of money, and you're going to be supporting local as opposed to going and um, get your battery at a place like Canadian Tire or Costco. Give them a call at 783-8787. They'll have whatever you need. They'll have it at a better price, and they'll have it ready for you to come and pick up, and now they've got extended spring hours up until 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, you can find them at 1026 Logan Avenue, 783 and online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, we will get to the Jays a little bit later on in the program. Jays had a big monster weekend, ripping off four straight in Anaheim against the Angels, um, and of course, a great selection of Blue Jays gear available for you down at Royal Sports. And it's not just the Blue Jays, the entire Major League Baseball, not to mention NFL, NBA, National Hockey League, and soccer merch from around the world. But it's not just licensed merchandise. They've got their expanded soccer section right now, softball, baseball equipment, tennis, disc golf, expanded fitness gear, and of course, bikes, bikes, and more bikes at the back. All at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway and follow him on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals. All right, let's talk Blue Bombers football. Exhibition game on Friday, another one tomorrow, and then we'll be counting down the days till the home opener when the Bombers finally get a chance to play Paul Apelisse in the Ottawa Redblacks. Let's get the latest on the club Ooh, and a very busy weekend for the Bombers as well with our man Eddie Tate. Ed, what's up? How are you?
5: Hey, Hass, good to be on with you, buddy. It's always
2: great to have you on. Uh, How is it uh, to get back to work and actually have a game and some asses in the seats out at IG Field on Friday?
5: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Nice and blunt. Um, uh, Last week was uh, all over the place, right? We were pretty nervous there for a while that this labor thing might uh, drag on. So I'll tell you what, just stepping into the ballpark on Friday and seeing people show up, uh, it felt like like it should be, right? It was fun. It was a great night. uh and you know what uh, there was a lot of people having a lot of fun that night and that's what the bomber games are supposed to be especially in the summer
2: well no doubt about it and as i said i mean i think probably they would have had even more i mean albeit still a preseason game probably would have had some more people at the game if they would have been able to plan for it more than 12 hours beforehand with <laughs> the pins and needles nature of it all well let me just take us behind the scenes i mean you mentioned it was somewhat nervous i mean i, I still was blown away that the initial agreement didn't get approved. And I think that was when we were somewhat in uncharted territory. What were those last kind of three days heading into Thursday night like for everyone like yourself that really has no ability to change anything, but the results of what was going to be voted on was incredibly impactful to literally everything that you and everyone you work with uh, is involved in.
5: Well, it was, uh, I'll be honest, it was pretty stressful. It was a little bit nerve wracking. We were. In our little content department area, we're continuing to pump out stories that are scheduled, um, and you know we get some comments from people: "Why are you writing this stuff, or why are you posting this stuff when the game's not even going to be played?" Uh, and we had uh, been kind of warned, or were very concerned that if uh, this agreement, the the reworked agreement, hadn't been uh, signed off on by the players, that the the could have gone dark for quite a while. as and so that what was what everybody was worried about. And so when, you know, Thursday, that Thursday, the day before the the preseason game, when everything got worked out, um, I don't know if there was a champagne being broken open in the downstairs in the football operations department, but I'll tell you what, I had a beer that night and it tasted damn good. <laughs> no
2: doubt about it, and deservedly so. Um, and I guess the great thing for fans, for employees, for everybody involved, that is tumultuous as this seemed to be we're not going to be having these conversations for many many years and I think we can all crack a cold one and cheers that Ed.
5: Absolutely you know you and I have lived through some some of these things before I can still remember covering the hockey one there a few years ago and it's so painful to wake up and have to be You know, looking at the various, you know, you need to be a lawyer here to look at the different, uh, you know, clauses in the collective bargaining agreement and hockey related revenue. Oh, my God. I'm glad we won't have to be writing about that or talking about that for seven years as in respect to the CFL, because, look, I think you and I deep down more than anything, we're fans. And this kind of stuff just drives me nuts. I hate it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm just glad there's labor peace now
2: you're around the team though quite a bit. I mean, what was like um what was it like around there? I mean, did you notice anything on like Wednesday and Thursday that was a little different than normal? Were the guys pretty much going about their business and then when you got there on Friday, which was a game day, was it pretty much like it was all taken care of or was there still a, you know a lot of discussion amongst players as to what happened? was it good and you know
5: going forward I think um to the team's credit. Um, on, on those days where it was there was so much uncertainty, when they were on the field, they really did park that stuff and, and go about their business. So that felt normal. But then it becomes a distraction, right? That's all anybody's talking about before and after, and I'm sure in their locker room. Um, so again, there was just a lot of tension and a lot of nerves in those few days until things got ironed out. And then on Friday, it was—I uh, can't tell you how fast it disappeared in the rearview mirror because nobody was talking about it on Friday. They were just glad it was done, and and maybe in a lot of ways it was a good thing we had a game that night because you could just focus on something that was right there in front of you.
2: Well, let's focus on that game first before we get to tomorrow and who's going to be playing. Let's talk about the uh, the performance. We knew that there wasn't—we you know, weren't going to see Zach Calaris. Um All f- other four quarterbacks went, but. I mean, the guy that most of us were talking about post-game was uh, was Drew Brown, who really made the most of uh, of, of his opportunity, probably more so than Dakota Prokop, despite the fact that Prokop's a more experienced quarterback. Um, Philip, People in it weren't at the game with the performances of those, those two, and has that shaken up the depth chart going into, uh, into the game tomorrow, Ed? It,
5: it's a really interesting kind of development, you know. I guess I'm guilty of looking at Drew Brown's first performance last year. He he played a little bit, uh, maybe three quarters in the regular season finale in Calgary. And you know you hate to to be a premature evaluator, as they say. You got to be careful how you say that. Um, uh, but he, so I had my this conception of how he played in my head, and to to Drew Brown's credit. He was awesome on on Friday night. He was 10 of 13, threw for a touchdown, ran for one, and he just looked so comfortable at the controls. Completely different than the quarterback we saw at the end of the regular season last year. Um, he just knew what to do. The ball came out of his hand fast. Very, very impressive. And you're right, Dakota Prucrop, he had some moments too, but his numbers weren't nearly as good. Five of 14, I'm just going to, chat. five of 14. He threw two picks, ran for a touchdown. And so I think because of his, excuse me, because of his experience, we figured he'd be the one that have, would have better numbers and maybe pop off the page more. But because of what Brown did in conjunction of the struggles a little bit of Dakota Prukop, it's really muddied that picture behind Zach Caleros, which is probably a good thing for the team because you don't want it to be easy. and and uh, I I was really impressed with Brown. He, to me, he was one of the stars of the night.
2: Well, and and, you know, listen, I mean, if you're playing the quarterback position, you certainly have the opportunity to stand out more than if you're getting a crack in many of the other positions. Um, so Drew Brown was what everyone was talking about, but there were a number of other players and a number of new names and newcomers that got in. I mean, let's maybe start on the offensive side of the football, and before we get to some newcomers, we'll talk about new guys that might have the opportunity to start. And of course, that is in the backfield. And Brady Oliveira was fine; he only touched the ball six, uh, three times. Johnny Augustine, though, I thought made the most of uh, of his six and uh, six carries. We also got a chance to see Borsa. Um, who I imagine will get the majority of carries tomorrow. We'll talk about tomorrow's game and who's heading out there in a minute, Ed. But um, listen, uh, day one of the post Andrew Harris era, and um, you know all these young Canadians um, getting an opportunity to show that uh, you know putting their hand up to be near the top of that depth chart with that massive hole from
5: thirty three being gone. Right. It you know we knew this would be a juicy storyline heading into the season, and but what I think happened on Friday is that both Brady and Johnny um, kind of said, Hey, look, just settle down. We'll be okay here, which is what a lot of people thought, but uh, they both ran the ball really hard. Um, and and to me, it might've been a snapshot of what we're going to see this year. We all want to say that this is the starter. That's the starter. This is the backup. And I'm not sure that at that position, we're going to see that be that clear cut right from the beginning of the year. It could very well be that they both get a ton of work in a game uh, or, you know, you know, spell each other off here and there i know that uh, running backs like to get into a rhythm and like to have 15 20 carries and maybe ultimately that's what happens if someone's got the hot hand to start a game but i could very well see a scenario where the two of them are just do what they did on friday and when one guy's going good he gets the 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 rock most of the time and when the other guy uh, steps up and and gets hot maybe that's what they go to too it it's it's almost like having a 1 and a 1A starter, and, and that's pretty cool. And you mentioned Borsa. It's important to have an, another Canadian to back them up, and, and he's a pretty, pretty good prospect too, a kid from the University of Regina who they drafted a couple of years ago.
2: I can already hear Remus complaining on a weekly basis as to who he's supposed to start in his fantasy I lineup because he that. doesn't know who doesn't know who's getting more carries between Brady Oliveira. That this could be the most uh, the biggest hot topic fantasy issue since, since the ultimate touchdown vulture Sean McGuire would basically roll in and take six points over and over and over again as the leading touchdown guy on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, uh, you know, we'll be paying close attention to the running backs. We know all about the running backs. Receiver is a little bit of a different story this year, Ed. And, um, you know, obviously Jalen Saunders was in and then was out. Greg Ellingson's there, but there's no Kenny Lawler. There's no Darvin Adams. Um, I think we saw many of the, the guys that have come back that we expected to be part of it. Give us a name of a receiver or two that most fans might not be familiar with that is um, you know, sort of showing that, you know, they're in the mix as we get into the second preseason game and the rest of training camp.
5: Yeah, there's a few names still, and that's why I think that it will be really interesting tomorrow to see what happens in in Regina to who maybe locks down a job. But Dalton Schoen, who we've talked about a couple of times in, in camp and written a few stories on, he was targeted four times, caught all four passes, had a touchdown. Um, he's been impressive. The, the book on him is that uh, he's kind of like a a young Greg Ellingson. He just knows how to get open, he knows where to go. Um, and that's so important in with to develop a trust with the quarterbacks. He's been impressive. Blake Jackson had a really solid game against uh, Edmonton and he'll play tomorrow in Regina too. That's the guy that last year was jumping off the page and, and then blew his Achilles out. Um, converted quarterback who had been with Cleveland. Uh, the Cleveland Browns a few years ago, and they converted him. So he, he's, he looks good. A guy that I like that's a, a little bit smaller but will play tomorrow, he didn't play on on uh, Friday, is B.J. Mucklevane. He just seems to make pl- things happen. There's Antonio Nunn, uh, Wap Fillior. There's still a lot of guys in camp that uh, have a shot to make this team. And the other one that we shouldn't forget is Brendan O'Leary Orange, the Canadian kid who um, – was a bomber draft pick in 2020 only played a couple of games last year because he was banged up but he's big he's dropped some weight he looks quick and uh, it would be quite interesting if if he makes a noise because then you could be looking at the possibility of having two possibly three canadians starting in your receiving core in different packages and uh, so he's a guy to keep, to keep an eye on tomorrow too
2: Eddie, before we move to the defensive side of the football, I wanted to ask you about the O-line. I mean, uh, many of the usual suspects are back, although with Drew Desjardins out, we thought it would possibly be Jeff Gray. But um, tell us about Liam Dobson now that he's signed. How has he looked? I mean, uh, and, you know, is there a potential that, you know, is it essentially a two-horse race between those two guys for that starting spot?
5: Well, uh, Jeff Gray got uh, a lot of the work last week, and so did Liam Dobson. I think Dobson... Uh, I mean, it's awesome that he got here, but I think, uh, you know, he missed the rookie camp and that would have been helpful, but he's impressive and he might not be ready to push Jeff Gray right now, but I think he's coming on fast and he might be a guy that's right in the mix as we go along here. <clears throat> the collection of uh, offensive linemen that are taken to Regina tomorrow is, is not, there's not a whole lot of ho- household names there. Liam Dobson is one of them. But the rest of the guys have been are being left home. Uh, Stanley Bryant, I know you wanted to get to this in a little bit. Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, Michael Couture, Pat Newfeld—they're all not going either. Is Jeff Gray? So um, the offensive line uh, is going to be interesting tomorrow night. Let's put it that way, because there's a whole bunch of uh, um, new faces. And that might be one way to evaluate the quarterbacks because either they're going to have time or they're not. And uh, we'll see what they can do under pressure.
2: Boys, get ready to get rid of that football. I'll tell you that That's much. Right. Um, uh, as far as the de- defensive side of things, what stood out? And first off, let's talk injuries. I know there was some concern about Winston Rose. We heard reports that he may have been in a walking boot. And and that, I think, may have been a part of the uh the re-signing of evan hole um phyllis and let's maybe just start about rose the dbs overall and uh, what's transpired since friday
5: i saw rose at the ring dinner on saturday he didn't seem too concerned i know michael shea didn't have an update yet um I, i don't i don't sense a whole lot of concern around the building on that i mean you never know um but uh Let's put it this way. I'd be surprised if he's not playing on June 10th when the season opens. So, um, yeah, they, it, it was kind of weird. They cut a couple guys and then brought them back. And I, I, I think that what happened is with these two preseason games jammed so closely together, they they just decided to leave a lot of the vets home and, and get them ready for June 10th. And you need bodies. And so I think that's why Evan Holm was brought back. And, and, so, and so was Alfred Green, a Canadian defensive lineman. Um, you know when you look at the defensive side of the ball two names that popped out to me on friday and they're being the lineup uh, tomorrow are malik clemens the middle linebacker who came into the game after adam big hill left and just i thought he was really good and then uh, malcolm thompson who's an interesting story i talked to him yesterday he played some safety the other day and he he had a tackle for a loss and he also just uh, had one of those uh, snot bubble hits on uh, on former bomber Charles Nelson that forced a fumble. And so he's interesting because the bombers still have to decide what they want to do at the safety position with Brandon Alexander out for a bit. And Malcolm Thompson just came out of nowhere, in my opinion, to, to make a name for himself Friday night. Well, So we'll see what if he can add on to that uh, tomorrow in Regina. Uh, Ed, what, uh,
2: what do we know about Mercy Masson's injury and, um, who gets, uh, who gets the bump up, assuming that, um, he's out for an extended period of time?
5: Well, here's what we know. It's just what we've kind of reported in the moment. There's been no official word from the club on what it is, but I mean, when you get carted off like that and you can see the concern in his face and all his teammates faces, I would say it's not good. Um, so the guy that got a lot of work leading up after Mercy's injury and leading up to Friday was Donald Rutledge Jr. Uh, he played some safety in the NFL a little bit. Uh, he's an interesting prospect, but I don't know if that spot's been kind of locked down at all yet. And you know, I'm I'm looking at the again the the lineup for tomorrow, um, and there's you know no Winston Rose, no Nick Taylor. Um, obviously no Brandon Alexander, no Dietrich Nichols. So there's going to be an opportunity for some of these guys to move around, including at the Mercy Mastin's dime position. So, uh, and you know, the thing that Richie Hall and Jordan Younger, the the defensive backs coach value more than anything from the defensive backs is versatility. Can you play all across the back line there? Can you play, can you move the corner from halfback? Can you move from uh, halfback to corner? to safety because guys move around in this defense so much. And we've seen so many injuries in the last few years that you've got to have versatility. And I think that's what they really like about Donald Rutledge jr. But, you know, I'll be looking at a couple of guys tomorrow, Josh Miller and Demario Houston, who were with this, with the bombers last year, you'd think that their knowledge and experience might uh, serve them well. And, you know, tomorrow could be really important for a couple of guys like that to, to maybe lock down a starting job.
2: Well hey and just while we're talking about DBs for a minute, um, um what have you seen both at camp and on Friday night from uh the Bombers' top draft pick this year Tyrell Ford who of course got to go up against his brother as pros which was a, kind of a neat little side story to uh to Friday's game.
5: Yeah, he looks he looks the part, right? He he ran the fastest time at the combine. He looks really comfortable on the corner. Uh he's got a quiet confidence about him didn't i don't believe he returned any kicks on friday but that's also one of his uh strengths um what's what's kind of cool is with him and patrice Rene, another canadian draft pick you've got the opportunity to maybe start a canadian at corner if you don't want to start one at safety and and that's the kind of again um roster flexibility that this team wants desperately uh, especially as they try to tread water for a while until brandon alexander gets back so Both those guys are outstanding athletes, and Terrell's going to dress tomorrow. I don't see Patrice Rene's name on the list, so um, they're both just just great athletes, and again, it gives the Bombers options in the secondary to play around with the ratio a bit.
2: Ed Tate's with us from BlueBombers.com, talking blue and gold after a very busy weekend. We'll talk about the rings and the ring dinner in a second, but as far as this game goes tomorrow, I mean, I'm looking at the depth chart. Um, well, there actually, there isn't even a depth chart. It's a numerical roster, which you usually have a little bit more. Uh, Safe to say, most of the household names from the back-to-back champs are not making the trip. Um, I guess you could say great opportunity for a lot of players to get in and get some playing time and show what they could do and fill us in on the, uh, I guess, the decision-making process as to putting this roster together for the quick trip west.
5: Yeah, you know, I could start rattling off who's not going, but we've needed about another 15, 20 minutes here, huh? So I won't do that. Um, I think this is all about the two games so close together, Friday, then Tuesday. And look, this team has developed kind of a, uh, an MO over the last few years that the the people like Mike O'Shea trust to be ready, don't need to play in a preseason game, don't need that necessarily even practice reps. And so after Tuesday, after tomorrow, they've got a long stretch between that and June 10th to get guys ready. And I guess they feel they can get guys ready in practice. So, um, you know, it's Brown and Prukop at at quarterback, no Oliveira, no Augustine at running back. The only, you know, at the receiver spot, uh, Rashid Bailey. And then again, Brennan O'Leary-Orange, who I mentioned, and a bunch of new guys, nobody on the offensive line except Liam Dobson um nobody on the defensive line um except Ricky Walker played a little bit last year I'm looking forward to seeing Cole Adamson play a game he had a, a, again he had a really good game none of the linebackers no Adam Big Hill. no Kyrie Wilson Tanner Cadwalader and Malik Clements jump out to me there and the secondary Taequann Glass Terrell Ford Nick Hallett will get some look at safety again and then the two kickers too they're they're still battling for who's gonna maybe get the, all three chores not just uh, uh, splitting it but maybe somebody could handle the punting kicking in, and and uh, kickoff. Well, I,
2: i'm glad you mentioned that because i did want to finish it with um as far as like what we're talking about as far as the actual team where is the uh, where is right now the kicking confidence meter of the uh, of the groups? It was it got a lot better last at the end of the season when Castillo came here. We knew that you know they were going back to Ali Mortada. Of course, you got the Aussie punter in Mark Leggio. Um, is anything a little clearer right now as we get into this final game? Ed,
5: I wish I could say yes, but I I, I don't think I can. Um, like neither guy tried a field goal against Edmonton. Mortada had a Uh, one of his converts go off the the bar. Um, Both of them were okay punting. I think what the the club, based on what I've seen, you know, uh, Mark Leggio, who punted all last year, has been doing a lot of place kicking. That's what he was really good at, Western University. And Ali Murtada, who came in here as a place kicker only, has been doing a lot of punting. And that, to me, just screams out that they want one guy to do both. Uh, It's disappointing that Tom Hackett, the Aussie punter, left after the rookie camp he went back to utah i'm not sure i asked michael shea about him yesterday and he didn't have an update yet i think he's coming back um he's only a punter but boy he in just a few days of rookie camp he had some some wild uh, kicks with that could give uh, returners nightmares and he's a guy that won the ray guy award a couple times as the best punter in the ncaa so i'd like i, I would like to see him come back but as far as finding a guy that can put it consistently between the uprights I said this in the beginning, this story isn't going to go away. It's going to carry right into the regular season. And and maybe whoever gets the job, they're going to have to crank out, a, a, a you know, maybe a consistent string at the start here to maybe bring everybody back down off the ledge, you know.
2: Uh, based on uh, the resume and what you've seen in the short amount of time at camp, if Hackett does come back, do we assume that he would be the guy? At well, hunting?
5: he could. Yeah, he, I, I, you know. He was, it was only a couple days of, of rookie camp Huss. And he said he had to to knock off some rust, but I stood down uh, at about the 20 yard line for a a practice and he was dropping them all kinds of weird kicks, like helicopter kicks, kicks that looked like they were coming straight down, uh, weird ones that bounced a couple times, but he, he was putting them where he wanted to put them. And he had, and he said he had a lot of rust to knock off. So um I think if he says, I want to come back, he might not be the punter in week one. But if you give him some time to get it, uh, again, knock the rust off, uh, the Bombers could have a special punter there. Because, uh, again, in in watching for 20 minutes one day, I'm like – my jaw hasn't dropped that much watching a punter since John Ryan first arrived and was kicking him into the stratosphere when, when the bombers first drafted him.
2: Well, that's high praise from a guy that's seen a lot of, uh, a lot of practice time over the years. Ed Tate. So that's from bluebombers.com Ed, you know, listen, it was a really awesome weekend overall because first things first, we got everything straightened out on Thursday night. We got into a game day on Friday. Um, and then, the ring dinner, the fan fest on the uh, yesterday. I know a ton of fans really excited about not only getting their replica rings, but a couple of my friends in the Lugan zone there behind have been immortalized <laughs> on the actual ring. Um, take us to the to the dinner. I mean, I saw that video. I knew there'd be some great content of Rashid Bailey losing it when he got that thing <laughs> on his hand. Um, fill us in on the event overall, the atmosphere around it as the uh, the hardware was doled out to the champs.
5: It was a fun night. You know, um, not everybody that's in camp was there. And I, that's understandable. You know, it could some of these new guys that are trying to make the team, that could have been awkward to sit there and watch a bunch of people get rings and, and, and know that you didn't have a part of it. But the guys that did show up, uh, it was a special night. You know, Jen Thompson did a wonderful job of just getting the place all set up. Uh, it's just a classy event. Bob Irving was there as the MC, so that always adds a, a nice element. Um, and you're right. Uh, the reaction, I kind of, I, I mean, Riley Mara, our ace video guy, and Rob Ong did all the work to capture the moment through film and through photography. I uh, recorded the sound of when the rings were unveiled in the room. And it doesn't do it justice, but it's just sort of this uh, amalgamation of oohs and ahs, and and then Rashid Bailey shrieking, uh, and there were some gasps, uh, and it was what you would expect. The ring itself is spectacular, um, and the players' version of the ring, players and coaches. I mean, I don't have a small hand, but it's not it, it, the the ring. Looked like I could cover about half my hand. It like, if you wore it, your fingers would be spread out like this because it's, they're just, the thing is so big. And some guys had their 2019 ring. Uh, you'd have to be doing some curls to be able to wear those, both of those rings on one arm because one hand, because uh, they're massive and they're just spectacular.
2: Well, as we've seen in recent years, championship rings are anything but subtle and uh, uh right. <laughs> these, these things <laughs> are monsters um but i gotta tell you I, I you know the reaction from fans to see the fans included on that i thought was right brilliant by the organization whoever thought that up i thought was was on to something it was incredibly appreciated by it and um and i think it speaks to the connection of this team and this fan base i mean what can you tell us about that ed
5: uh, it, it really was an interesting design element you know <clears throat> The players' names and and position and all all that is on the ring, and that's on every ring. It says back to back on on around the crown, which is cool. The the W and the Grey Cup is on the top. I thought it was pretty inspired to put the fans on the one shank, as they call it, or the one shoulder of the ring, and it was actually taken from a photo of uh, a bunch of fans in the end zone, I believe, and then kind of the the designers at Baron Rings. Did a wonderful job of capturing that with the, the uh, part of the stadium in the background, too. It's really inspired, and it's really cool. And I know a few fans who knew they were in that photo recognize themselves even on the ring. There's that much detail on, on the ring. And I think it's a real important shout-out to the fans because we are, we've been saying for years, this is a geek-driven league, right? And when the team went dark in 2020, so many fans said, keep our money we'll be back in 2021. And when the Bombers came back last year, boy, the fans came with them. And so I thought, uh, you know, given what everybody went through in the last couple of years, but the the fans were such an important part of last year. Two of my most favorite games I've ever covered were um, the opener on August 5th because it was a return of the league. And, you know, all those fans were packed IG field. And then that Western final game, man, when it was minus whatever it was minus a zillion and that place that place was a party that night and they stayed right to the end singing so yeah there's the photo that's a great uh shot that uh, remo's put up i guess there for you that's the one that turned into the the side of the of the ring so it's really cool it's just a, a wonderful idea See
2: my buddy Tyson Ducharme in uh, in chat right now, all fired up. He's one of those Lugans from 140 go. that uh, got immortalized there. And uh, anyways, it was uh, it was really cool. Well done to to whoever had the idea and the execution of it was uh, was phenomenal. And certainly the fans that got the replica rings as part of their season ticket package, um, really appreciative and really fired up that you know they got a piece of that Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. Mm-hmm. And just before we go, so tomorrow's game day. So many of the regulars aren't going. Um, do some coaches stay back and work like, well, what happens with those guys that aren't making the trip tomorrow? Just a day off.
5: Yeah, I think a day off. Um, I, we're getting on the plane in a few hours here, Huss, and uh I guess there'll be some seats available. Um,
2: might be a good night at a few wing nights at, in uh, South Winnipeg tonight.
5: Yeah. And whoever goes to Regina, I'm looking at the old line. I, I'll tell you what, the, the people at the steak places in Regina are going to be disappointed because there aren't as many big eaters making the trip, the trip out West. So um, yeah, I think the whole staff's coming. Those guys that uh, aren't coming, will probably watch it on TV tomorrow or listen to it on the radio. And, uh, and then we're back to work whenever we're back to work. I think there's a few days off after this because the, the cut down is uh, I think the rosters have to be declared on Saturday and then you've got to get right into it for the opener on June 10th against Ottawa, which should be fun too.
2: Hey, uh, you mentioned just uh, finally before we go, you mentioned the uh, the ring ceremony, and of course, Bob, who uh, Bob Irving, who was synonymous with this team for five decades, was the uh, uh, was the MC, appropriately so. Um, of course, Derek Taylor had his first game filling the size 25s of Bob in the CGB booth on the weekend. I did catch some of it. I thought he sounded great. He did, he did. Uh, but Bob yeah. was but Bob was there at the game in the press box. Uh, I can't wait till at some point we get Bob down in 140 with the rest of those bozos that are on the ring for uh, to see what he's been missing all these years. But uh, I'm sure he was uh, got a hero's welcome up in the press box and uh, got to take a load off on Friday night for the first time in forever.
5: Yeah, you know, it was funny. I I after doing some pregame radio, I came up to the booth and Bob was in the uh, up in the press box. He does have seats, he can go sit. Well, Bob can sit wherever the hell he wants, right? Yeah. So uh he does The like, he, part. The yeah part he, when
2: Bob walks into IG field.
5: He uh he has seats somewhere, but uh he didn't have a official spot in the press box. But you know what happens when Bob the place is called the Bob Irving Media Center. So <laughs> There's a seat. He walked in. I had a spot available beside me and between me and Jeff Hamilton and Bob says, I want to sit there. So the people are lifting chairs up over the press box rows to get Bob a seat. And, uh, um, I still talk to Bob almost every day. He calls me. Oh, who's looking good out there? What's going on? He's been to practice a couple of times. Um, you know, I know that, uh, People were wondering how he was going to handle it. Hey, he retired for a reason. He wants to play golf. He wants to go to the cottage. And now he wants to be a fan. So um it was great to see him at the game. And again, what whatever he wants, you're right. The, it'll be uh the seas will part for Bob. If he wants to sit at the 55 yard line, someone will gladly give up their seat.
2: Well, you know, we've got already got Knuckles needs to start a beer snake in the chat right now. And, uh, and of course, to, if he does make it down into 140 and 141 at some point, maybe we can get, oh, tarps off, Bob. That's also <laughs> in the chat. You know, uh, as they said, you want to talk about a hero's welcome? We'll get it everywhere, but especially down where <laughs> those hardcore fans are. Maybe we can get a a lucky whitehead from uh, the West final of uh, you know Bob lead the cheers and everything going on. There you go. well,
5: I'll tell Bob next time I see him or he calls me to find out what's going on. I'll tell him that the crazies want him to come down and sit in the <laughs> section and, and start the beer snake. You know, Bob, he'll probably say, okay, I'll sign yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs>
2: this sounds good. Well, <laughs> hey, we'll make that happen. <laughs> Ed, listen, thanks so much for the time. I uh, cannot wait for the 10th and we'll look forward to seeing what uh, um, the uh, the backups essentially have tomorrow. and What they can show, that game, of course, will be on TSN. Dustin Nielsen, my pal, will have the call. We'll kind of talk about that probably tomorrow morning from Regina on the lock shop and then get into the real thing uh, over the course. A regular schedule pretty much. I mean, once uh, things get finished, will it be, is this will be like a game uh, game day week where they'll take a couple days off this one and then essentially maybe have a longer week of practice heading into uh, into the 10th?
5: Yeah, I haven't seen anything beyond tomorrow's itinerary, Hus, but that's what I would expect is that, uh, they, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be practices Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I honestly don't know because I think all the evaluation will be done by that. And as I said, they've got to make the final cuts on Saturday. And then you're probably right. Then it really is into a longer practice week to lead up to the 10th.
2: Hey, uh, thanks so much for the time, Eddie, and uh, congratulations. And by the way, pass on. You know, some some major kudos to everyone that was involved in uh, the ring selection, the uh, the gift for the fans. Um, it, it's not often that organizations do something that is so unanimously well received. But um, hey, win a couple championships is a great start. To, uh, celebrating them with the uh, with the fans and their that are uh, supporting the team. Great way to do that as well. Uh, travel safe, and uh, we'll talk to you heading into the tenth of June.
5: Right on, Huss. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Appreciate you as always. There's Ed Tate of Blue Bombers.com, continuing just the amazing coverage of the club at the website. And of course, you can follow Ed on Twitter as well at Ed Tate WFC. All right, we are gonna get ready for the big game for Winnipeg Jet fans tonight. Rangers and Hurricanes. Dan Rosen's gonna join us in about five minutes or so. Um, hey, speaking of blue bombers, cannot wait to get out to the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the games this year. My buddy DJ Finesse I saw on the weekend all jacked up to be back there doing bomber games again, a great atmosphere and man that 10th of June is going to be a fun, fun night as the two time defending champs start their quest for three. Uh, Of course, princess auto in addition to being a great sponsor of the bombers is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto. Um, Big shout out to our friends at not auto corp supporting Winnipeg sports talk since day one. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, don't wait, get on down to Waverly McGilvery and talk to the not experts on what you're looking for. And, uh, Listen, they've got an incredible selection of vehicles on the lot, but if there's something in particular you're looking for, they'll they'll find it for you and get it at the best price possible. Why not get into the Car of Your Dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? See them at Waverly and McGillivray or find out more online at knot.ca. I don't know about you. I mean, the weekend could have been better. But I'll tell you what, I started it off over at Little Brown Jug in William Avenue and uh, caught myself some 1919s, tried that new cider. And uh, tell you what, that was one of the good parts of the weekend. Weekend's always a little bit better with Little Brown Jug. Of course, Little Brown Jug does have that new cider available as well as the Queer Beer, Hefeweizen, Saison, and more. Pop down at the Tap Room and Brewery to try them all. You can also check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca with home delivery, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Or pop down and check out everything that Little Brown Jug has for you at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Mart. And, uh, hey, congratulations. Again, I know, I believe it was Theo Seeger's two weeks ago that won our DQ ice cream cake. We'll get our uh, winner on Friday set up today with our pal and Nick. And if you're just dying for a blizzard or trying one of the new royal blizzards at DQ with the chocolate or peanut butter filling, what are you waiting for? Get on down to our friends Nick and Nikki, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four locations to serve you the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And by the way, you got to try those Stack Burgers, new and improved and unbelievable as well. I don't think you could have a better order than maybe the Steakhouse Stack, Stack Burger along with one of the new Royal Blizzards. Hit them up on Instagram as well, at DQ Manitoba. If you uh, want to get a cake done up, they'll customize it for it and have you ready for it as well. All right. We're going to have uh, Dan Rosen join us in just a minute. Um, but, of course, tonight is game seven between the hurricanes and the new york rangers sure you're well aware by now we've been talking about it for well ever since andrew kopp was traded um that if the new york rangers won two rounds in the playoffs the second rounder would turn into a first rounder for the winnipeg jets um well here we are game seven tonight the Rangers get a W and the Winnipeg Jets will be moving from the second round to the first round. And I'm sure the New York Rangers will have no problem paying that tax um, because they'll be in the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's been a wild series and it's almost been a carbon copy of the Kane series against the Bruins in the first round. Um, home team has won every single game. It, it, it is stunning right now. You've got a, a Canes team that's 7-0 and on home ice and you've got a team that is 0-6 on the road. That being said, the road record won't matter tonight, uh, but the New York Rangers have the best goalie in the series in Igor Shesterkin. Let's welcome in Dan Rosen to get ready for Game 7 tonight. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How's things? No problem. What's going on? <laughs> well, what's going on is we got an entire fan base of Winnipeg Jet fans that are throwing the blues on tonight and supporting the Rangers, hoping they can win and get to the... Uh, third round of the playoffs and turn that second rounder into a first rounder for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm sure that's not even on the radar for most New York Ranger fans in the organizations they go into tonight. What a wild series. But as I was mentioning, as we were bringing you on, I mean, from a Kane's perspective, this is like the carbon copy of the round one series against the Bruins, where the home team has won every game. We haven't seen anything close to that in the other series. I mean, what's with the home cooking in the East?
6: Yeah, it's really strange uh, asking around this series, ask the coaches, whatever, you know, Rod Brindamore. Like, there, there's really, there's no good explanation for it. It's just, uh, I, it's just strange. We've never seen anything like it. Like, Carolina can become the first team, I believe, in, in Stanley Cup playoff history to reach the conference final without winning a road game. It, it's remarkable that this can happen, but it is. It, and I asked that question today. It is a carbon copy. You look at you know games one, two, five, and seven against the Bruins, and the Carolina Hurricanes dominated those games. You look at games three, four, and six in Boston, and the Bruins dominated those games. Flip it to this series, games one and two. I can't say the Carolina Hurricanes dominated games one and two. Remember, they had to come back and win game one, scoring with less than three minutes left, but they won, and they played to their style, keeping shots low, uh, very much tough to play in the neutral zone. And then they were good in game two, and they won that one, two to nothing, and they were dominant in game five, and they won that one uh, three to one, but the Rangers only had 17 shots on goal. But you flip it around to games four, uh, three, four, and six, and the Rangers have just simply been the better team at Madison Square Garden. It's it's hard to kind of put your finger on really one particular reason why, but I, I do think the matchup with Jordan Stahl against Mika Zibanejad's line in this series and Jordan Stahl's line against Patrice Bergeron's line in the last series that's played a huge role because Stahl, Nino Niederreiter, and Ansper Fast have done a terrific job when the Canes have been able to get that matchup against the other team's top line. And obviously with the last change advantage, they get it on home life.
2: Yeah, I know. It is a great point. I mean, as the one thing you'd think, okay, I mean, that certainly would be influential and impactful, but I mean, seven and O and zero and six, I mean, it still doesn't make a lot <laughs> of sense based on what we've seen before. Um, from a Rangers standpoint, I got to tell you, I mean, I thought they sort of deserved a better fate in the first couple coming back down 0-2. I also think that probably they were least effective on the road in game number five. Um, What's Gerard Gallant had to say about this challenge and about trying to get a different result in their fourth crack in Carolina?
6: Yeah, I mean, pretty similar to that. I mean, he looks at games one and two of this series and says it could have gone either way. And he's right. I mean... Game one particularly could have gone any, the other way. The Rangers had a one and up in the lead. They survived the 10-minute push by the Hurricanes in the thir- the first 10 minutes of the third period. You're thinking, okay, here we go. They're going to be able to hold on to this with Igor Shosturkin in net. But a little bit of a lapse, and then Sebastian Ajo scores. We go to overtime, and then that, that's obviously a coin flip. If anything happens in overtime, right? And then they lose that 2-1. to one. I thought the Canes were better than them in game two, but it wasn't like significantly better. The key was the Rangers couldn't get anything going on their power play. And that was the big difference. They were over three there. Uh, They had a four minute double minor, I believe in that game on Brady Shea, and they couldn't do anything on it Uh, and they lose. But those two games definitely could have gone either way. And I think if the Rangers end up losing this thing tonight, they're going to circle all the way back to game one and say, man, that was our opportunity right there. One to nothing less than three minutes to go in the game. And we can't close that out. That's the game they're gonna look at and say that was our problem. Um, game five, they were not good, but you win game one, you give yourself that Mulligan, and now they don't have it. Now they gotta win a road game here in this series to win it. And I think they can, But the question is is are they going to be circling back to that game one loss and going, that was our missed opportunity?
2: You know, I can tell you, we were talking about it the next day on the program here because people are pretty invested in the Rangers at this point, hoping to get something extra out of that trade. And it really did feel like it was a missed opportunity. But man, the way they bounce back, especially in games three and four at home, um, you know, this has been a great series. I mean, it has been a very close, you know, thin line between winning and losing in many of the games. And that is what game seven is all about. And I'll tell you what, around here, I think there's a quiet confidence in the fact that I don't think there's any doubt who's got the best goaltender in this game tonight, Dan, and that often can be the deciding factor in a one-game playoff.
6: Yeah, one hundred percent agree with you. I mean, obviously, look, Igor Shesterkin is maybe the you know best goalie in the league this season, if you want to say that. I mean, maybe in the running with Andre Vasilevsky is the best in the league in total right now. Um, he has really played very, very well since getting pulled against the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game four. Uh, he, he's been lights out good for the Rangers uh, and especially in these closeout games four and0 with a 9 five save percentage and therefore eliminate in close out potential elimination games where they could be wiped out. he has been that good and you know I, I would expect nothing short of that from Igor Shosturkin tonight. you could see it early in game six he was dialed in. Um, you could see it in games three and four and even five. I mean, look, he faced 34 shots in that game, in that game five. And, you know, you really can't blame him for that loss. I mean, that, that was very much, you know, the Rangers couldn't generate anything offensively. Um, you know, and and then finally Sveshnikov scored to make it three to one. Uh, but he faced 34 shots and made 31 saves in that game. He was good. Uh, he, he's. He's the difference maker the, 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 for the Rangers. And, and that's why we wrote it today. We did a round table on NHL.com and you know, who would be the game seven difference maker. And I'm like, well, you got to go with Igor Shostakovich. he's the best goalie in the series. And he's been arguably the biggest difference maker for his team among all players in the NHL this season.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and let me ask you just about his playoffs, because I mean, you mentioned, I mean, I think he's a strong favorite to win the Vesna trophy. Um but it didn't go well against Pittsburgh, I and mean, we weren't used to seeing him, you know, getting the hook a couple times. What were where did he bounce back? At what point did he look like the guy that was so dominant in the regular season again? From your perspective, Dan.
6: Well, it started in that game five against the Penguins. But let let's let's go back. I mean, don't forget that Igor Shosturkin faced eighty three shots in game one, and that way against the Penguins, and that was almost two games that, that he played that one night. And, you know, he comes back and he gets a winning game two, And he was pretty good in that game. And you got to give him some credit for that. Um, But it was the team in front of him wasn't very good, um, you know, in games three and four against the Penguins. But his body language to me was also off. Um, He was allowing goals that he hadn't been allowing all season long. He was showing emotion after a goal that he never showed all season long. And that was just, I think the guy really, I think it goes back to that physically draining game one. And then he faced 41 shots in game two as well. Uh, And I think it goes back to that, that he was just, you know, he needed, I don't know if it was physical, but I, you know, maybe both a little physical break and a mental break. And then when he got pulled from game four, right away, Gerard Glantz said, no, he's our guy. There's no question about this. And then he comes out and he plays a strong game five at home against the Penguins. And that got him, you know, centered again. And he has been, like I said, I mean, he has been just terrific since then. He's six and three with a nine three seven save percentage and a two point one zero goals against uh, since getting pulled in Game Four against the Penguins. So it was the reset that he got from there that made a big difference.
2: Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Cannot have you on here in Winnipeg without talking about ex Jet Andrew Kopp. um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what? What? How? um Has he been a revelation there in New York? I mean, it's been incredible to see what he's done, how consistently productive he's been, the players that he's playing with. Um, I imagine that they would have no problem giving that first round pick to the Jets if they can get the win tonight. Uh, How big of a deal is he amongst the Rangers faithful?
6: Well, huge. Uh, You know what? I think a lot of people, you knew, I knew, because we know the league, right? But I think a lot of people who hadn't been paying much attention to Andrew Kopp with the Winnipeg Jets and, I mean, look, he wasn't a household name even in Winnipeg with the number of guys that are there knew how good this guy was, though. Right. I mean, everybody, if you paid attention, you knew how effective and how good of a player Andrew Kopp is. And that's why they wanted him. And that's why they, you know, the potential of the first round pick that they gave up to get him. Right. And he was terrific in the regular season. He's been good in the playoffs. Sometimes his night's been off, like Panera and Strom have been off a little bit, and that's who he plays with. So they've been off a little bit. They've bounced into center. He takes a lot of faceoffs on his strong side. He's in the, you know, he's a plan on the PK, and the Rangers' PK has been very good. He's been a leader. There's no question about that because he's one of the few guys on the team that's kind of been around a while and been this far in the playoffs before, or even further. Uh, I think, honestly, I think it's going to come down for the Rangers. They're going to have to make a choice at the end of this. Who do they want? Who do they pick between Andrew Kopp and Ryan Strome to really go after and keep for this team because they're both pending UFAs? And as good as Strong has been in his time at the Rangers, to me it's Kopp because he's just so much more versatile. And I think the Rangers are, you know, understand that versatility you just can't find in so many different players, and, and he has it. And uh, he, he has been very good for them. Not surprisingly good for people who know but certainly surprising for people who aren't aware of how good Andrew Kopp is.
2: Well, another huge opportunity for Kopp and his teammates to make a, uh, make a statement tonight against the Canes on the road in game seven. And Dan, I can tell you most of the people here watching us today are hoping that you'll have another Ranger series to cover and uh, yeah, you'll have a little a uh, another, pick. Pick to, another pick to be talking <laughs> about in that first round. Really appreciate you joining us today, Dan enjoy the game tonight. And uh, thanks as always. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. There's Dan Rosen. Uh, senior reporter for the national hockey league and NHL.com covering the New York Rangers and the national hockey league. All right. We've got lots to get to. We have to get to the jock Peterson, Tommy fan incident of the weekend, probably the number one sports story of 2022, in my opinion. Uh, And we also are going to have a pair of tickets to give away to this whiskey fest event on Wednesday night. So Stick and stay with us for that. Hey, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game tonight, why not head down to your local Boston pizza? I've actually been at BP quite a bit over the past week. And listen, it's always great. Big screen. They've always got the games on. They're cranking the sound for the game. I'll watch the Champions League final at a BP on Saturday afternoon. It was just awesome. And not to mention, you can get in on those gourmet pizzas, Boston wings, ice cold schooners, and more. Uh, and if you're staying home tonight for game seven, you want the great taste of BP, Check out their game day deals at bostonpizza.com and order online. And as I mentioned, our friends at uh, Canadian Club are involved in Whiskey Fest. Lots going on, but the big event that you can still get tickets to and you can win a pair on the program coming up in about 10 minutes is Bourbon Against the Grain, the story of Maker's Mark. Now, this event is on Wednesday, June 1st, 7 to 9 at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, Sport for Life Center. Tickets are $40, presented by Manitoba Liquor Mart. You're gonna find out about bourbon and Maker's Mark from Micah Dew, who's a world-class bartender and hospitality consultant. You'll be able to join Micah as he leads you through a tasting of history, from whiskey to America's spirit bourbon, into the present with the latest innovations of wood finishing. So if you go to the Liquor Mart's website, you can find out information on how you get tickets, But maybe your best bet is just to hang with us and in a few minutes we will spin the wheel of winners for whoever wants to get in on it um, for a free couple tickets courtesy of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, great to see all that CC flowing at the Games Canadian Club. Official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And you can also pick up that CC and ginger ale at your local beer store. Great weekend drink to throw in the cooler and you don't even have to mix it. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Because Reem... What I'm thinking we do is we get to Jock Peterson, Tommy Fam, Then we come back. We get names for the wheel while I do Cool Bet Lines. And we finish it off with the wheel of winners and send one of our lucky YouTube viewers to that Whiskey Fe- uh, Fest event on Wednesday. How does
3: that sound? Sounds good to me. I'm just uh, dealing with some stuff in the in the chat here today has had oh to love,
2: love face show up again or what no
3: no no well there was actually some comments um here during that thing um during the last uh, segment with Dan someone was saying i've never seen jets fans so excited for a late first round pick um you know saying oh they're just going to get another vessel line and I'm like look what do you want jets fans to care about right now they're not in the playoffs <laughs> you can improve from a second to a first and then I don't know maybe you trade the first actually with the other first, I mean, there's really nothing, their team's not playing. This is, this is the one win they can get now without (laughs) playing a game. So yeah, people are going to be fired up.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, listen, game seven's great anyways, but when there is, you know, a carrot for one of the teams rather to win, it's like having a bet on a game. You're a little bit more interested in it. And, uh, yeah. Damn rights. People would prefer to have two first rounders than one first rounder. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? So that was a big part of the cop trade. He's certainly done his part of the bargain for the New York Rangers. Now we'll see whether the Rangers can get it done and uh, maybe help out the jets and make that trade look a little bit better. It already looks phenomenal for the New York Rangers. It was interesting to hear from Dan Rosen that, you know, it's probably going to come down to a decision between Strom and cop for who they're able to sign to a long-term deal. And Listen, all cops done since he became a Ranger is cranked up his value. Um, And man, game seven tonight, no better opportunity to make your agent happy going into negotiations with a big game tonight. Um, Hey, just before we get to uh, the Jock Peterson, Tommy Fam highlight of the weekend, uh, tomorrow is opening day for Assiniboia Downs. Cannot wait. We will have Darren Dunn on the program tomorrow. We will also make our picks for the first time of the year. If you're thinking about getting out there, the Prime Rib Buffet is back and um, we'll be horsing around again beginning tomorrow. And at that point, we'll resume the regular Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule of uh, Cinnaboya Downs heading to post at 7.30 p.m. on all of those dates. So make sure to join us tomorrow. And we're also going to have a fun picking contest over the course of the first couple of weeks of the season where you'll be able to make your selections on race number six, and uh the top 10 pickers will join us for a nice buffet and a night out at Assiniboia Downs very soon so make sure to join us on the program tomorrow. All right, you knew I was going to get to this folks. Now, some of you will be fully aware of this, others will have no idea what we're talking about. But Remo, we've known each other for a long time. We've had a lot of laughs on the warm-up and on this program. I I well, you can tell me, I, I, I don't think I've ever been as excited about, as infatuated with an incident and post-game interviews than what came out of San Francisco on the weekend coming out of this Reds-Giants series where an incident occurred before Friday's game where Tommy Pham of the Reds went full Will Smith on Jock Peterson during batting practice for one of the most hilarious reasons you could have possibly imagined.
3: Yeah, this is amazing. I mean, anytime a man slaps another man and makes headlines, we saw that with the Oscars. Will Smith starting a trend. I can't believe it. Here is the video. Um, I don't have the thing open. I'll give credit after. But this is an outfield altercation before the game. You can kind of see them back there. And there's Tommy Pham going up to him. Boom! Boom. Slapped him. Jack Peterson. And you're like, kind of, and like... This is why we need reporters, Huss. I mean, how would people see this altercation if you didn't have anyone watching batting practice?
2: Well, exactly. And now this was originally reported that there was some sort of an altercation involving a couple players, and that was it. And at at the point when it got onto my radar was when Andrew Baggerly of The Athletic said, our headline has been updated with more details. (laughs) Sources confirmed Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson across the face after confronting him about a disagreement stemming from their fantasy football league. So I immediately texted you. You've got to be kidding me. Was this a sketchy trade? Is Jock a rogue commissioner? I have so many questions, as did we all. A fantasy football-related spat dating back a year turns into a slapping incident in a major league pre uh, major league batting practice. How is that possible? Well, what ended up happening was opening the door for Jock Peterson to come and speak with a level of detail I'm not sure I've ever heard about anything in a uh, in a post game interview. Um, but, uh, no, I guess you, you got the, 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 uh, the, the fam slaps yeah. jock. That's what we just saw. We right? just saw that, Yeah. So this, that was uh okay.
3: reds outfielder, Tommy fam, like going over and slapping giants outfielder and world series champion, uh, jock Peterson. And I mean, it's like, what a ridiculous story. I mean, I've been in some fantasy leagues. You've been in fantasy leagues. <laughs> It's gotten heated. There's definitely been angry emails sent, and I've sent and received those and you know maybe said some things that I'd like to take back when it comes to fantasy beefs, but I don't <laughs> think it's ever led to slap, slapping or physical altercation. No, I,
2: I have been very mad at other owners in some leagues, but I've never thought to get to... Well, and as Jock will say later on, the violence is not the answer. Um, bottom line is, it gave us the funniest, most bizarre post-game interview I can ever remember after the game on Friday. Now, Tommy Pham did not play on Friday night, was subsequently suspended three games, so he missed the entire series with the Reds. Um, But Friday afterwards, Jock Peterson met the media and answered every question about the roots of the fantasy football beef that led to him getting Will Smith by Tommy Pham in the outfield. And uh, it was an all-timer. This is how it sounded.
4: Yeah, that happened. That was just, that was the only uh, physical part. Yeah. Yeah. Are you
0: able to
4: expand on what preceded that? Why would you come? We were in a fantasy fantasy league together. Uh, I put somebody, a player, on the injured reserve when they were listed as out and um, added another player. Uh, And then... Um, uh, There was a text message in the group saying that I was cheating uh, because I was stashing players on my bench. And then, uh, I don't know, I looked up the rules and sent a screenshot of the rules, how it says that when a player is ruled out, you're allowed to put them on the IR. And uh, that's all I was doing. And then uh, it just so happened that he had a player... Uh, Jeff Wilson, who was out, and he had him on the IR, and I said, you literally have the same thing on your team, on your bench. <laughs> and then I guess he was in two leagues, and in one of them he was on the IR, and one of them he wasn't. So maybe that was a confusion. But Okay, okay.
3: the detail of 49ers running back Jeff Wilson being on the IR. Look, some sites have different rules us where I guess – I guess because he was out, you could put him on the IR. One league you could, one league you couldn't. But for him to go into this... Detail of their fancy ceiling.
2: I've I've listened to this easily twenty times, and it gets funnier every single time I listen to it. Now we got to keep this going because the li- the line at the end about you know violence not being the answer was quietly maybe the funniest line of this entire operation.
4: <laughs> okay, here, here, let's go. On the ESPN league we were in, it, it was listed as out, so it's like it's, it feels very similar to what I did, uh, and that was basically. All of it. There's not much more to it. Was there any advance inclination of people who were still upset over here or might be discussion? you was just asking if there's uh, indications of that. We didn't ever any uh, more contact. The only time we texted was in the, uh, in the group text, and yeah. I mean, it was over a year so ago. Like, you, you didn't anticipate anything, Yeah, it was uh, a surprise, but... Did he just come up to you and talk, or was there, like, an argument before he slept? No, there was no real argument. He kind of came up and said, like, I don't know, you remember from last year? And I was like, fantasy football? And he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Where did he slept? I mean, like... <laughs> it, <yeah>. uh,
2: sorry, <laughs> you
3: remember a lot. <last>? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just picturing them at the like at the warm up. Hey, you remember last year, <laughs> like fantasy football? Fantasy
2: football. And this this part, by the way, maybe just back this up about three or four seconds, Remo, because this is this is the part where he I guess he is asked by one of the members of the media as to. Where, uh, where, where he got slapped? Okay, <laughs> another okay. hilarious I'm, moment
3: of this. I'm actually cry, crying from this. This is hearing it again. Oh my god! Okay, one second. even say. Want me to rewind? And this yeah, is just a, like just like five seconds. And this is if anyone ever says why do a media need to be in the locker room? Like this is 100%. why. Yeah, like, we're not s-
2: getting this from Zoom. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you're not. You're not getting this from Zoom. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely correct. Here, let me, I mean, why? okay, so he he's now yeah. asked where he got hit. I
4: don't know. You remember from last year, and I was like, fantasy football? And he's like, yeah, I've, I mean, yeah. Where did you slap <laughs> me? I mean, like, in the cheek. <laughs> yep. In the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in cheek.
6: Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> <see? laughs>
4: Nothing. There was a decent amount of people around, and I uh, didn't get emotional, and... Uh, don't think uh, violence is the answer, I guess you could say, so I kind of <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> don't, don't think
3: <laughs> violence is that.
2: <laughs> Jock Peterson. I've always been a fan of jocks, but I'm like, yeah. he's now into my all-time. And the funny thing is, and I tweeted this on the weekend, this guy is a nine-year major leaguer. He's a two-time World Series champion who has hit some massive massive home runs in his career. He's forever going to be known as the dude that got slapped because of a fantasy football argument between two major leaguers, the day of. Now, Remo, let's get to Tommy Pham because I actually haven't heard this. The the Pham, of course, was suspended for the 3 games. And it's turned out from everything I can gather, this guy is a complete psycho. I, I don't really know any other way to put it. Um, But Tommy Pham was uh, asked, and I'm not sure he went into the same sort of detail, uh, but Charlie Goldsmith on Twitter um, had uh, Tommy Pham discussing why he felt the need to slap Jock Peterson during batting practice on Friday. Yeah, you, you can't really hear it too slap well. Josh. But here yeah, we go.
3: Some,
2: t-
6: some shit I don't condone. You know, uh, so had to address it. Yeah, what a- was that? Look, you know, we there's some, there's some shit that went on in fantasy, you know, but what he forgot to tell you guys, too, you know, he said some disrespectful shit in a text message,
1: and I called him out on it. So, it's regarding, you know, my former team. So, it
3: was he- so he says, yeah, some disrespectful shit in a text message about his former team, and he had to address it
2: this would be the padres. So um people were wondering, "Jock, were you were you not being entirely truthful about the incident?" So after Saturday's game, you know who's back in front of the media, our guy Jock Peterson, trying to clearly and calmly explain what he said about the San Diego Padres and how it got to this.
3: Yeah, and I got to say before we get play the clip, I mean, set up his appearance. He's wearing a t-shirt like his hat that is barely on his head plus the backpack the bleach blonde hair i mean he looks like a, he
2: looks like a kid here jock peterson and uh, just explaining he looks the, like a guy that just got out of an early morning shift working at a santa monica coffee bar yeah. and he's going to quickly ditch his stuff maybe have a quick hoot and get on the surfboard for the afternoon
3: <laughs> he's explaining <laughs> he's bringing here well, i'll just play the club here
4: yep
6: for the game, just what's your reaction to that?
4: Uh, yeah, I saw that, and uh, I know what he said. And either it's true, there are uh, there was a lot of money involved in it. There, I did send a GIF in the group chat that was making fun of the Padres. Um, <laughs> okay. And I know a
3: lot of people online happy that he said GIF and uh, not JIF. Although the creator of the image format we want you to say gif, but I I call it everyone calls it gif, right? Hard G
2: GIF, hard GIF. I'm a, shout out, out to Jock.
3: Yeah, shout out to Jock. So here. No, so I did then a gif making fun, <laughs> making of-,
4: fun of the Padres. <laughs> In the group chat there was also some there was more than one Padre. There was maybe four or five that uh I'm kinda close with a couple of them and it was supposed to be a friendly thing, just making fun of they were playing bad and just talking back and forth and uh yeah, I mean, he did not like that, and responded. Uh, Jock, I don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this, and uh, yeah, so then um, I wrote back. I'm just trying to pull it up, so it's exact.
2: You're going right through the text thread. This is the best.
4: Um was meant to be all fun and games. No hard feelings. Sorry if you took it that way. Um, And then about (laughs) two weeks later, after like week four or five, uh, he ended up leaving the league. Yeah, this part where, like,
3: that's a big no-no if you're in a fantasy league.
2: You can't leave in the middle of the year. Even if somebody made fun of the Padres with a GIF in the text Mm chain
3: and... He's going to describe the gif. We do have it, but I can't believe he would. For a lot of money, like, did he forfeit his entry fee because the Padres got made Again, fun more of
2: more questions about that. It doesn't sound like Tommy Pham's a guy that likes to lose money, though. I, I will say that much.
4: Yeah, here, let's continue with Jock. And uh, there's been no communication since. Um, but like I said, it, it is true. I did send a, uh, a gif making fun of the Padres. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if I hurt anyone's feelings, I apologize for that.
2: And now they're going to ask him, and um, he actually pulls the gif out to show it. Now, we, we got like, it, but you just have to, to see it. Like this.
4: He's like, I did it, make I'll a." show you, I guess. He's like, I did make like a Three weightlifters lifting. Oh, here. And, um... That's what it was. Here, three weightlifters lifting. Here, I
3: have the gif. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, let's just pull this up. One sec, let me,
3: let me pull it up real quick. But yeah, this, we were very... On pins and needles following this over the weekend. It
2: it will, without a doubt, be a top three sports story of the year on Winnipeg Sports Talk, despite having no relation to Winnipeg whatsoever. Just the pure entertainment value of this beef. And again, I don't like to see anybody get slapped, but if they're going to get slapped, please may it turn into this sort of incredible entertainment for all of us looking on. Okay, here's the GIF.
3: So you have three weightlifters, one with the Giants, one with the Dodgers. The other with the Padres. They're throwing up a, looks like a heavy bag. Here we go. One, two, three. In the air. And the pod. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> I guess they're throwing the bags behind them, and the Padres weightlifter couldn't throw their bag Behind them it went straight up and down onto their head, and they fell just like how the Padres fell on their face at the end of last season. Ha ha ha. And Tommy Pham, uh, Tommy Fam didn't like that
2: one. So. No, no, he did not like it at all. Don't F with Tommy Pham. Yeah. That's one of the lessons hey. that has come out of this. Don't mess with his money and don't make fun of his team utilizing gift technology in a fantasy football group text chain. Yeah, that was. Um...
3: Yeah, he's told, told the media, yeah, disrespectful shit that Doc Peterson said and um, too much money on the line, effing with my money, is what Tommy that <laughs> said. So,
2: and, uh, and then once he heard what exactly it was, uh, he apologized for it, and it was for a stupid give. Uh, listen, all I know, don't hmm. mess with Tommy Femme. and um, And wasn't he – he was also – He missed the start of the season because he got stabbed in a strip club, didn't he? And I know he was suing that strip club in San Diego as well um, for it. So listen, Tommy's been in a bunch of shit. He also says that he's a high roller in Vegas. He's a big deal in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen, I'm more interested in Tommy Pham and what's between his ears than I've ever been before. He's been a pretty good major league player. He was great in Tampa, not so good in San Diego. We'll see what he does this year in Cincinnati. But again, he's always just going to be the guy that went and went off and slapped mm. Jock Peterson because he didn't like a fantasy football acquisition revolving the IR one year ago in their league. Um, th- this is truly the intersection of all the things that we love. Ridiculous behavior, funny interviews, and fantasy football beef that just about anybody can relate to in some way, minus it, the slapping. It,
3: it just seemed like the beef was so minor. Like He put a guy in the IR and... Um... Picked someone up and Tommy Pham thought it was cheating, which Doc pulled up the rules. Clearly not cheating. So uh, we've all again, we've all been in fantasy leagues with friends. There's definitely been arguments, beefs, but uh, I've never been slapped or I mean, go up to a guy and just slap him over a beef from a year ago. But he and then he left the league. Like people wanted to see like the team that he had that he would just
2: bail, or, like the team that he drafted. Absolutely. <clears throat> what happened he probably threatened to kill everyone in the league if he didn't get his money back or something like that I you know I'm sure there's some more details that we don't actually have uncovered right now but if they do come out we will be talking about them at the end of the program here on Winnipeg Sports Talk all right listen it's after three so we should get to this um folks we've got a pair of tickets for the Whiskey Fest event on Wednesday night, Bourbon Against the Grain, The Story of Maker's Mark It's 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Two hours. Tickets are normally 40 bucks. You can certainly get tickets at the Liquor Mart website, but we want to send a couple of you, maybe some big whiskey fans, um, to make it out. Now, please only enter this draw if you are able to go to the event on Wednesday night. It's two nights from today. It's 7 o'clock whiskey fence uh whiskey fest events are always phenomenal um this will be a great one as well um but just we want to make sure that someone that's able to go um that will take advantage of it so remo why don't we quickly uh, you want to just do exclamation mark tickets or uh what do you want to uh, what do you want to throw yeah,
3: up there? Is, yeah we want yeah and i can i can edit I think. yeah give me one second i'll set it up and then we can go over the lines we can we do sure. have a poll right now actually um 115 people voted 74% of people think the Rangers are going to win tonight.
2: So. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I mean, I'll and as we get this, just let me know when the raffles live and we'll make sure that we uh, let everybody know. Um, this is a big one tonight. And the number is coming down a little bit for the Rangers. I had seen like plus 140 earlier, we're now looking at plus 131 for the New York Rangers. And the Carolina Hurricanes, who are seven and zero at home on the playoffs right now, at minus one forty nine. Um, the over under for this game is five. Now, are they haven't? There's also over under six. Under six is minus one ninety six. Under five is plus one twenty two. Um, funny thing was the one game where there was finally a bunch of goals was the last game when the line was similar for it. And uh, if you do think the Carolina Hurricanes win by two. You can get them at plus one seventy five for that game. Um, Oilers and Avalanche are available. Um, okay, so do we have the uh we we, we have it open right now, dude? Yeah, exclamation mark tickets. Perfect. If, if you could make the event on Wednesday, uh we will be emailing you the tickets. Exclamation mark tickets. All right, everyone. We'll give you about thirty seconds to get those into. Yeah. Do do more, do give them a bit some time because I messed it up
3: first okay okay. okay more than if two if you're here got, right yeah. now
2: it's now open folks if you're with us live exclamation mark tickets you only need to do it once to make sure that you are in and um we'll just give you another 30 seconds or so to capillus <laughs> exclamation mark fam slap <laughs> don't screw your friends in fantasy football you never know how that's going to come back to come back to haunt you um other game tomorrow is of course game one between the Oilers and the Avalanche. Oilers plus 156, Avalanche minus 185. And I can tell you that Dustin Nielsen, and I'll break this all down on tomorrow's lock shop, as well as we'll hit it on tomorrow's show. Uh, a ton of interesting series props and bets available for the Avalanche Oilers series. Uh, but the bottom line is as far as who's going to win the series, Avalanche minus 270 and the Oilers plus. 220 20. oilers getting one and a half games plus 107 so that's essentially for the oilers to either win the series or at least get it to seven at more than even money i might jump on that right now i'm sort of bullish on the oilers and their opportunity to i don't necessarily necessarily win the series but i think this is going to be an all-time classic with you know some of the best players on the planet playing at a really high level and probably a lot of goals too because I don't really trust the goaltending on either side of things. Of course, get on over to cool bet, uh, NBA finals up right now as well. And of course, baseball as well. Big, big weekend for the Toronto blue Jays who, uh, are off today. Uh, but will continue after a beautiful weekend, getting four in a row and that wild comeback yesterday, the 11, 10 victory. All right. Um, you want to, uh, Close it up, Remo, and uh, we can start uh, we can get that wheel of winners before we uh before we log off today.
3: Sure. Let's let's do it once I'll get it settled. I'll close Excellent. It. we got a couple of people, 14 people uh entering.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, good luck to all of you. Thanks again. And uh, whoever wins, uh, just as soon as uh, we're done, fire us an email at Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. And uh, I will make sure that either myself or Rick Brownley from the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame sends you the tickets. And uh, again, you'll if you haven't been there, you'll also get a chance to see that beautiful new Sport for Life Center and the new home of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and again, I've got to thank James and the gang over at Canadian Club for uh, getting us a couple tickets for this. And uh, hopefully, whoever wins the uh, spin of the wheel momentarily will have a great time at it. Again, all the other events for Whiskey Fest are there at the Manitoba Liquor Marts website, as well as some of the other events going on. And uh, hey, you want a great taste of CC? You pick that up at your Manitoba Liquor Marts, along with the new Canadian Club and Ginger.
3: There was a chatter who's I had to boot over the top who came in under a second name uh, should they be eligible to win
2: if you if, i think if you get kicked out for that day yeah I, you're, should you're I take,
3: out should i take their name out of the draw they've been generally a, a nuisance and a troll sure
2: yeah i mean listen i think you i i leave that with you that's your department but i support you if that is your As if a, that is your decision
3: I'm not sure. Maybe I'm having a case of the Mondays here. My headphones, I've had improper headphone volume. Okay, yellow today. card
2: then. Yellow card then. I'm I'm not
3: in a good mood. So, as it's been evident by the early mute. We didn't get off to a good start. So <laughs> and the Dan, the Dan Rosen thing, I thought I had uh, I had Lo- on, but it didn't go. Oh, so
2: a lot of self loathing after the show today, folks. Not. for sure. Hey, what
3: are we sure. thinking about this uh this Colorado? Like, am I crazy if I just go Edmonton because I just like don't want to take a favorite? Uh no, like I saw. Uh, Dom has. If you did that
2: against Calgary, you'd be cashing. You'd be counting your money yeah, right now.
3: I saw Dom has Calgary at um, like Cal- Colorado seventy five percent chance to win, but like I find it hard
2: to pick against McDavid here. Me too. Although I have a hard time picking against uh, McKinnon and all that.
3: Has but has Colorado been that good? I mean,
2: they steamrolled Nashville. I don't know. I'm... St. Louis is a really good team. yeah I mean, they got pushed to six games. I think that probably helps them. Maybe it prepares them a little bit more for Edmonton. But I, I don't. I, to be honest, I think Edmonton, with the way that they play, might match up as well as against Colorado than they do against St. Louis. I think there was a real so. concern about the way that they played if they would go up against St. Louis and what that depth of the St. Louis team would do. Well, the them.
3: the other thing too, I'm not sold on either goalie, though. So. I think that's one thing like the Rangers tonight. Yeah. Maybe you think Carolina is a better team, but just Durkin, man. Watch over this guy.
2: No doubt. All right, let's do this wheel. Cause we got to get these, uh, these pods up. Sure. All right. Thanks to everyone that entered. Thanks to our friends over at Canadian club for the tickets again, Wednesday night. Congrat Or uh, good luck to everyone that entered. We're going to spin it. Whoever wins. We got two tickets for you for, uh, the, uh, the special event on Wednesday for the whiskey fest, Bourbon Against the Grain, The Story of Maker's Mark, 7 o'clock down at the Sport Manitoba Building in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. All right, remote, spin it. Good luck to everybody. Leanne M. All right, Leanne. All right, Leanne. Fantastic. Nice to have a female winner as well. Um, Leanne, congratulations. I hope you have a great time at the event. Do us a favor and send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and we'll get you those tickets up and uh now you got to figure out who you're bringing on uh, Wednesday for the event. It should be great. And again, thanks again to the folks at uh, Canadian Club for making this happen. Alright, well, Game 7 tonight. Tomorrow, we'll find out whether we're going to be talking about two first-round picks for the Winnipeg Jets. Go Rangers, go! <clears throat> and, uh, We'll also tomorrow be getting ready for game one. Avs and Edmonton Oilers. Jeff Hamilton will join us from Regina getting ready for the uh, bomber playoff game. And I think Mike McIntyre is also going to pop by from Germany this week. So uh, lots of interesting things coming up. But of course, tonight, all eyes on Carolina. And we'll see whether the Rangers can finally win one on the road and move on to the third round and help the Winnipeg Jets get a second first round pick. Um, Thanks to Dan Rosen for joining us earlier today. Uh, Thanks to Brian Muns and of course, Ed Tate. It was a great show. Appreciate everyone joining us live on YouTube. And of course, everyone that's listening on the podcast, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Podcast listeners, if you can give us a five-star rating and a review, always helpful as well on Apple or Spotify. But the thing that makes the biggest difference is you join us Tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube and later on in the afternoon on the podcast. Ascinnaboy Downs opening day tomorrow as well. We'll get to it with Darren Dunn. Should be another packed show. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy Game 7. And we'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
1: Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.